All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Starcade Media Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell was good. and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 207 in full swing, full motion. My voice is almost all the way back, and I am so damn happy about that. We are so happy for you to be here with us and for, you, for us to be here with you guys, whether you are live streaming, whether you are podcasting, or whether you are YouTubing this particular episode. We want to thank you so much for making time to be with us in this time as we are going to be start discussing some very important things moving forward for the Chiefs. As we know, they just won the, the Super Bowl, the 2022-23 Super Bowl. Moving forward, what decisions they're going to have to make this offseason to move this team forward to better their chances of repeating as champions and for the next five to ten years. What decisions are the Chiefs going to make this offseason that's going to make this team better for those particular reasons? We're going to break down all of that. I got some things in the in the, in the bag that I promise you are probably going to surprise you, maybe even piss off a few of you. But this is what we do, man. We make uncomfortable decisions to better the team. We know that's what the Chiefs have had to do, especially over this last offseason when they've had to trade away big key pieces like Tyreek Hill. We knew that wasn't fun. We knew that wasn't popular amongst Chiefs fans. It was something that obviously was necessary to pay dividends for the Chiefs in the long run. I think there's going to be some similar situations and scenarios the Chiefs could potentially explore this offseason. Then I'm going to give you guys my full thoughts on that. I can't wait to hear Trevor and Eddie's thoughts on that as well. And speaking of that, if you've not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, go ahead and do that now. And then let us know as we're going through the show, as we're breaking down our thoughts, our opinions, our takes on things and regarding the Chiefs or what other topics we're talking about, what other teams we're talking about. You can hit us up in the chat. Let us know in the comments what you guys are thinking. We'll do our best. I promise you, Eddie will monitor it as much as possible and let us know what you guys are thinking. Get us your thoughts during the show. We can get back to you guys and maybe you know get a couple get a couple questions in here, get a couple takes in here. We can make this more of a interactional show because of the fact this is the off season. It isn't just going to be us talking. We want to hear back from you guys as well, which is very important. But we also got the Eddie hour to get to. I know Eddie always has thought provoking questions. We got some good MMA cards coming up, some UFC cards coming up. I know Jake Paul and Tyson Fury are going to be fighting this Sunday. I'm not saying Eddie's going to ask about these things. I'm just saying there's things to consider. There are things to talk about. And obviously there's a ton going on in the NFL as far as free agency is concerned, trades, the upcoming draft, which is going to be here before we know it. And we know that obviously the NBA is in full tilt right now. Some big historic things just took place last night between the Clippers and Kings. The Lakers look reformed. There's a lot to talk about is what I'm saying. I'm just giving out some examples here, and I'm sure the Eddie Hour is going to have plenty of that for us. And of course, we're going to finish off the show with a series of L's in the world of sports. That is a tradition that we've maintained here for well over 200 episodes, and we're going to be doing that for another 200 episodes if you will let us do that. But let's start where I began when it comes to the Chiefs free agency and what I see happening. So we know the league year doesn't officially start till March 15th, but as we know, the NFL, there's always moves being made. There's always there's always rumors to be had, and there are a ton of them out there. Now, not a lot of them have to do with the Chiefs. Let me just go ahead and say that. And I'm, I'm somebody that is very much expecting 
the majority of the quote-unquote big free agent signings for the Chiefs will be made by re-signing players that are already in-house. I don't think the Chiefs are going to go out there and spend a ton of money on free agents that are sitting out there that are older, aging players. I do think there are certain guys they can potentially trade for. I do think the DeAndre Hopkins trade is, is still very realistic. could very well happen. The Chiefs have the draft capital and will have the cap space, which I'll explain in just a second as to how they'll have that cap space, uh, considering the other players they need to sign. But there, there will be guys I think that the Chiefs will explore options on. But I think the primary focus when it comes to free agency for the Chiefs in this offseason will be guys that they're either looking to extend, release, or trade. And that's what we'll break down today. Um, I, am, I am expecting a good number of familiar faces to be gone week one of the 2023 season. And that's going to be an uncomfortable conversation we're going to have to have today, but I'm willing to have it. I think that we need to unload the bag on that as far as where we see this team moving with some of these fringe players and the quote-unquote others, not the core pieces. Some of these guys that may be fan favorites, but guys the Chiefs can move off of and potentially save some money on. We'll talk about that. Uh, some of these moves will be free agency, some via release, some via trades. And I want to get right to them. I want to get to all of them right here, right now. <clears throat> Now, we, we do have to remember that the Chiefs aren't currently in a place with a ton of cap space. Uh, as it currently stands, the Chiefs have around $526,000, but we do know that the $20 million bump is coming for the league league-wide, and with everything that's going to be situated to start the league year, the Chiefs are going to have roughly $11 million or so to spend just off, off the cuff. That's with zero moves being made. They're going to have around $11, $11 $12 million to spend. Uh, but there are a few moves, as I had just mentioned, that the Chiefs could do that could easily get the Chiefs up to 50 to $80 million in cap space, just like that. And um, I think there's a great chance for at least a couple of them to occur. So let's start with the current free agents that I don't see returning this next season. <clears throat> I think the obvious one that we all know he went out on top. Chad Hindy announced his retirement. I don't envision that he's going to pull a Tom Brady where he's going to decide to come back 40 days after announcing his retirement and come back as the, the greatest backup quarterback in the history of the Chiefs franchise. Anything is possible, sure. But I do think that he's going to set his sales in free agency. May even I do entertain the thought that he could come back as like a quarterback's coach or an assistant coach, some sort of consultant for the Chiefs because he has a really good maintained relationship here since 2018. I can see something like that, but as a player, I don't envision Chad and he will that be guy back. Was a major run of both of our Super Bowl runs. Absolutely. Great major part of our both of our Super Bowl runs. And he deserves all the credit in the world for what he was here, but I, I do think that he really is retiring yeah. as, a, as an NFL player. Another player that I don't think uh, is going to re return, I think will likely follow the footsteps of Chad Henney, uh, is Carlos Dunlap. I, I do think that at 33 years old, we'll be 34 next season. He's done literally everything he set out to do. I know he's talked about those goals he had, reaching 100 sacks, getting to a Super Bowl, winning, winning a Super a Bowl, game. winning a playoff game. Yeah. He did all of that in one season. Yeah. Got to his 100 sack, got to the playoffs, won a playoff game, got to the Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl. I, I feel like that's the – and I'm not going to ever tell a man, like we've always talked about it, about Tom Brady continuing to play. Yeah. Any player that wants to keep playing, if teams want you, you want to still play, you're still good enough to play, keep doing it. But I think there's some guys that have just reached that pinnacle, and once they reach that pinnacle at a certain age, it just kind of makes sense. The stars kind of align. I think that's kind of Carlos Dunlap's situation. Could be wrong, and I do believe that if he wants to continue playing, the Chiefs will be a team that very much are interested in retaining him. I think he'll have a decent market, given the fact he's still an effective player. He's still in that Melvin Ingram tier where teams will always utilize him, especially a playoff team yeah. on like a one-year $5 million deal with incentives. I do think the Chiefs would be interested, but I do think at this current time, if I'm a betting man, I think Carlos Dunlap is going to be on the retirement side of things. 
Um, <clears throat> I don't think the Chiefs are bringing back Derek Nottie. Because of the fact that I think they know now that Colin Saunders is the better player, and let's be honest, they play the exact same role for this team. Mm-hmm. And Saunders is the younger team, younger player by about a year, and he took a massive step forward this season. Uh, Naughty, to me, is a guy that's going to make a roster. He's, he, I think he's going to have a good 8- to 10-year career in this league. But I think that Derek Naughty is a guy that now has been just kind of over overstepped, um, surpassed, if you will, from Colin Saunders, who, like I said, played his best season by far. Was one of the a big reason the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. He was one that rushed Jalen Hurts out of the out of bounds to cause a third and eleven mm. to Kenneth Gainwell on the five yard play. Yeah, technically a sack. <clears throat> yeah. I think Colin Saunders right now is the better player, and because of the fact they're so identical, I think that that, that Derek Naughty's on the outside looking in. And Naughty would be the cheaper guy <clears throat> to keep, though, wouldn't he? Because Colin Saunders is probably going to demand a little bit more eh. money. I mean, it's, we're talking younger. peanuts here. We're talking peanuts here. Yeah, it's probably not that that big of a difference. I, I, yeah, I would but say I, Naughty's a little bit better against the run, but as far as getting after the quarterback and elusiveness and yeah. overall athleticism, Colin Saunders. It's Colin Saunders, and yeah. I and I, I feel comfortable with with Naughty being removed with Saunders staying in place, yeah. which I I will talk about Naughty and or, uh, Saunders in a second. Yeah. This is where it starts to get a little bit more difficult to discuss some of these things because some of these other guys that I'm about to address are fan favorites or guys that have been very successful here in Kansas City have helped the Chiefs win multiple Super Bowls, if not multiple, at least one. Uh, Juan Thornhill was really solid for the Chiefs in 2022 and worked his way back from that 20 ACL three years ago. It was really sad to see him not get a chance to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, right before the playoffs started, blew his knee out against the Chargers. It really sucked to see that. Well, yeah. He was playing. He was, he was a rookie. He played incredible that year. Mm. Um, 2020, 2021, he was, you could tell he was roughing it. 2022, he really put it together. Now you could say it's because he was under contract year. You know, there's a lot of things to, to speculate on. An pro, remember? Yeah, but he had a very good season. Yeah. He had three interceptions this year. Yeah. For a safety, a guy that's a fringe player, to make the plays he, play, he made, especially against the Seahawks, Texans, in the playoffs, he made some plays. I think Juan Thornhill really played himself into a situation where he can get a nice little payday. Yeah. Um, but one thing we know about Brett Veach, he doesn't spend big money on DBs, and Thornhill would be yeah. able to get a contract similar to what I believe Justin Houston, Justin Reed just got from the Chiefs last offseason. And to that point about Brett Veach, I, I don't think he's – I can't envision he's going to carry two contracts that look the exact same for both of his safeties. I think he values Justin Reed right now a little bit more. Brian Cook, I mean, baby. Yeah, Brian Cook. Beast. Clearly was that draft and replacement. Yep. They were anticipating Juan Thornhill not being on their books this in 2023. I think Juan Thornhill plays elsewhere. There will be teams, there will be suitors out there for him, and I wish him nothing but the best, man. Yeah. Um, this this one may not mean as much to other people, but it meant something to me. Uh, Ronald Jones just simply was not meant to be here in Kansas City. I was very big on this signing. I really liked the potential. That that said, we didn't. I don't think a lot of us realized just how special Isaiah Pacheco was going to be immediately. And the fact that Jared McKinnon just came back and had a repeat performance of what he did in 2021. Uh, I, I just think they're the better suits. They, they suit better this team. They're the better running backs at this point. You think McKinnon's back here next year? I do. I will talk about that okay. in a second. But I think those are the two guys that I think the Chiefs are building their, their running back foundation on. And it makes a lot of sense because it just it's really worked. It worked very well this, this season in particular. Um, but Ronald Jones will not be back in Kansas City next year. Andrew Wiley was so solid for the Chiefs this last season. And, I mean, he really was. Being a former guard to then converting to basically being a swing tackle, according to Mitchell Schwartz, I mean, Wiley definitely opened up his value and, and got himself paid this offseason, but I don't think it's going to be in Kansas City. The Chiefs already are spending money on Joe Tooney for the next four, three years. They're set to pay Orlando Brown Jr. at least $20 million on the cap, uh, on the on the franchise tag. 
and are looking, and they are definitely, I think the Chiefs are inevitably looking at that Creed Humphrey contract that's going to come back as soon as next, after next season. 2024, he'll be eligible for that contract, and I think he's going to break the bank. Creed Humphrey is the next Jason Kelsey. And I, I think he's going to be in Kansas City for a very long time. So with all those guys that I think are just more important pieces, um, Joe Tooney's not younger, but he's a better player. Orlando Brown's younger. Creed Humphrey's younger. Hell, Trey Smith, if, if the Chiefs want to extend him, he's way younger. I just don't see this Chiefs spending money on a 28-year-old right tackle that just now had a finally a good season. This is his first like really like okay good season. He played very well in the playoffs, but I think that's going to market himself out of Kansas City because I think someone else is going to go out there, give him a three-year deal worth like 21 to 28 million dollars. Well, it can be Canard's turn to, <clears throat> to step that, up. Yeah. I think that I think the Chiefs are going to draft at the at the tackle position again. We don't know if Lucas Yang will ever become anything. Darian Canard, according to Chief Concerns podcast, when they had him on before the season last mm-hmm. year. Did say that he's been told by the Chiefs they do have future plans for him. Yeah. So I'm expecting my guy, Darren Kennard, that's a guy I'm very big on. Absolutely. To get himself a chance. If not, the Chiefs go out there and get somebody that's a little bit better in the draft. And unless you're Mitchell Schwartz or Lane Johnson, usually right tackles aren't getting money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not getting extended, especially at this age. I think Andrew Wiley will start for another team next season. He'll probably get paid pretty handsomely, though. I'm sure somebody will pay fairly good money for him. After yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think like a three-year, $28 million deal, I could see something like that for Andrew Wiley. Yeah. A team that's just trying to rebuild, you know, that has some cap structure, that maybe like the Colts or a team like that that have a lot of influx on their offensive line, or even like a team like the Vikings or something like that. Yeah, that needs to protect I could Kirk see that a little I bit could, more. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. <clears throat> now, this is the most difficult one for me. Uh, and Trevor Nettie, I can already guarantee you, we're not going to agree with me on this. Um, I wanted this guy two off seasons ago. The Chiefs finally got him last off season. He was very solid for the Chiefs and won a Super Bowl with him. Having said that, at this time. I don't think the Chiefs are bringing back Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju will be 27 in the middle of next season, so he's not old by any means. But we all saw throughout this season just how banged up Juju was, and if we know anything about Juju, he's had his fair share of injuries and missed time over the last couple of seasons due to said injuries. Postseason, postseason games are what we all pay attention to the most, especially when it comes to the guys that are making a lot of money. And if you pay attention to most of what we saw from Juju, they go down with a knee injury in the AFC Championship. We saw Patrick Mahomes beat the Bengals without him, and he didn't really even miss a beat. Yeah, the MVS game. Not to mention the fact that Juju had only 10 receptions for 89 yards and zero touchdowns in three postseason games. It's not very productive, man, if we're being honest. But let's put the injury concerns aside. This free agent market for wide receivers this offseason is really, really bad. Really bad. Juju is easily one of the biggest names available. And according to SpotRack, his market is currently set at four years, 58.6 million, which is right under 15 million per year. And look, before this last season, if you would have told me that the Chiefs could have got him for 15 million a year, I would have signed it up. I'm totally cool with that because 26 years old, Chiefs need a wide receiver, no more Tyreek Hill, the value's there, the market's there, but the market has changed, and Patrick Mahomes just proved he did not need Juju Smith-Schuster in the biggest game of the season, in the biggest games of the season, yeah. and did just fine without him. But seeing, like again, what Patrick did with or without him in the lineup with rookie receivers and journeyman receivers like Justin Watson and barely average receivers like MVS, knowing how many draft picks the Chiefs franchise currently have lined up, I just don't think the Chiefs feel the need to outbid for Juju, and that's what they would have to do in, to, in order to keep him. I think Juju is in line for his first big payday of his career. There are teams like the Giants, uh, Colts, teams like that that could really go and spend heavy on a big-time receiver. 
I think those are the kind of teams that are going to pay him 15 to $18 million a year and will outbid because the Chiefs are just not in the bidding wars. You saw they literally let Tyreek Hill get traded away for a couple of million dollars, over a couple of million dollars that he was asking for on top of what they already agreed upon. Juju doesn't have the same cachet, clout, talent, ability that Tyreek Hill did. So if they were going to let, like Tyreek's the new standard. If the Chiefs are going to let a Hall of Fame top 15 receiver of all time walk in his prime, they're going to let anybody walk that's asking for a lot of money. And I think Juju, although would want to stay here in Kansas City, I think he fits here in Kansas City really well, could be a good contributor. He's not worth 15 to $20 million here in Kansas City. He's worth that elsewhere, a place that a quarterback like Daniel Jones might really need. With Sterling Shepard off the books now, they don't have really any other weapons. You go add him to an offense with Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, that makes a lot of sense in Brian Dable's offense, not here in Kansas City. Um, and that's just kind of where I have that on there. And I, I again... He, he now has his ring. It's now time to get the cha-ching. You know what I mean? It's time to get that money. Go ahead, Eddie. I, I would love to have Juju back, and I think the Chiefs should definitely go get him back. And I think Juju, he's one of those players that's, uh, that shows loyalty to a fault. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think he's one of those players that, that does really, doesn't really care about the money, per se. He loves se. the game. He, he loves, loves the game. Yeah. He, wants to, he wants to win championships. And he knows... Uh, the interview he did right after the Super Bowl, sure. Patrick Mahomes told me to uh, let's run it back. Yeah, he better Patrick back. Mahomes told him, "We gotta run, like stay here. We gotta yeah. run it back." And Juju was like, "I might just have to come back." Yeah, like when Patrick yeah. Mahomes tells, when Patrick Mahomes tells you, that's more than likely what's gonna happen. It, 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 Patrick Mahomes wants you. You're, I I don't disagree, but here's what I'm saying. Patrick Mahomes want to collide to it, it. If Juju, here's my here's my point. And they got him. Let's say, let's say Juju was Tyreek Hill in two years <clears throat> where he had a humongous extension and then came to Kansas City. I could see him saying, look, I'm going to shave off 5 to $8 million off this next contract. I'm going to stay here because rings now are my importance. Yeah, Juju's never really been paid. He's never been paid. Yeah. He's on a rookie deal, back-to-back one-year deals in Pittsburgh, and now a one-year deal in Kansas City. Yeah. He's made about $14, $15 million in his career. You go and get – literally, he could legitimately go and get a $65 million contract somewhere. And I think that although I agree that Juju would love to stay in Kansas City, I think with the money that's going to be out there again because of the market, the lack of big time free agents that are there's no Antonio Browns in his prime, and there's think, no DeAndre Hopkins yeah. sitting around, there's no uh, Devonte Adams sitting around. And I, I think that's going to be a big reason as to why the Chiefs would want to retain Juju now that we have him because the wide receiver market this this off season is is trash. It's, it's really there's really nothing out there. Other than you trading for players, mm-hmm. but at the same time, uh, you can't really. It, you're not going to be the only one, the only team trying to trade for, for uh, let's say DeAndre Hopkins. There's going to be another, a lot more teams with better draft capital that that can trade uh, for DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe not. Well, you see, the, okay, the reality of this season, know. the reality of this season being what. Like Juju's like. What, would you say it's safe to say? Because Juju had what nine hundred nine hundred. Juju had what nine hundred thirty three yards and like five touchdowns this season, right? I had to go check his stats. He had like 933 <clears throat> yards and five touchdowns. You would say that more likely is going to be like at the apex of what he would do in Kansas City over the next three years on average as far yeah. as production, okay? Is that worth you 15 to $18 million a year? Mm-mm. It's not. No. If Juju, if Juju was a receiver that was giving you 1,100 to 1,200 yards, eight to 10 touchdowns, you pay him 15 to 20 and you take that as a steal. Well, I think, but because I think... he's not the product, producer <clears throat> like a Tyreek Hill, a guy like that, you have to kind of set a standard. You have to say, I can't, we can't pay this guy. We can't outbid him with the Giants and other teams like that that are going to spend well, money. Well, on top like of that. his individual production, it, it also, I think, dampers him a little bit too with the 
the new acquisition and production of Sky Moore in the Super Bowl having a big play. Obviously, that's going to bleed into next year. I fully believe that. And then Kadarius Tony's right. You know, um, be, obviously another guy who has moments where he can be injured as well. <clears throat> but Juju's not much different, man. Juju's kind of had a, a history of injuries as well, and he's got old knees. He's an older 24, 25-year-old guy. You know, he's been in this league for a long time. He came in, I believe, at 20 years old. So he's already been in the league for a handful of years and already has a handful of injuries. You know what I mean? So I love Juju as yes. a person. And if we bring him back, we find a way. It all comes down to numbers. For if, if Juju was to come back and say, hey, yeah. give me a three-year, $28 million deal. Bet. Bet. Let's do this shit. Chiefs Kingdom. Let's He's go. not though, because yeah. the market's the market's too substantial. Like you would be an idiot yeah. to be a player in his position, just won a Super Bowl that's in the middle your prime years to turn down an extra thirty to forty million dollars <laughs> that someone else is offering you. Well, like, I think just, it really comes down to I think I think the Chiefs yeah. are going to offer him a contract. Yes, I think that's yes. going to happen. There's going to be something on the table. They like him a but lot. It's going to come down to because he's going to get something more have have more hefty offer somewhere else. Right. You know what I mean? So it really comes down to what does he want more? Right. Because the Chiefs are not going to match whoever else is out there. No, because if you look back, he's, he even said that he turned down a lot more money just to come play with Kansas City. Well, he got, he, his, he ring. He got that. his ring, though. He says that, but we've never had that actually confirmed. But now that he's a champ, that, that but, changes but things. But that makes though. sense. But, I mean, Because last I, I year's market was different. I can last that, year's market, he wasn't one of the top tier names listen, in free agency. Listen, do you guys think he Ty, is now? Do you think Tyreek would have? I know these are two different, very different players, and they, they obviously carry much of a different weight in this league. But do you think Tyreek would have left if he never got a ring here? I don't think so. I don't think he'd be going for the bag if he wasn't a I, champ. I, I, don't, I, I think so. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think, if he, I think he still would want I, to get his ring. And I think that the fact, I think when you win a championship, especially as a, a, a skill player, quarterbacks obviously have more chances to, to go win more rings if they're, if they're great. Like Patrick Holmes could go win with pretty much any, you know, uh, Combination of receivers, and I think he proved that this year. Well, and again, Juju's a guy that can just go impact the team and go win another ring somewhere. Yeah, this is I why I said get, ten minutes ago. To go get his bag. Yeah, this is why I said ten minutes ago. that Tyreek is that new standard, right? Because he's a superstar talent, right? That helped this Chiefs team win at a high level, who put up magnificent numbers, few have ever done before. And the Chiefs were still not willing to outbid outbid the Dolphins for right. him. Right. So if the Giants, I keep using the Giants, but I'm just looking at a team that has cap space and can use a wide receiver like Juju. Let's say a team like them, or the Bears, thank you. Sure. Another team like that that's saying, look, dude, I know the Chiefs are coming in at, let's just say, 12 to 15. Like 12 to 15. That's like their bar. We can up that to 15 to 20. And that's annual. Yeah. If we can give you an additional 5 to 10 a year. Bro, and I want that for him. And you can, yeah, and you yeah. can make that guaranteed money, and you already got your ring. Like, there's no way in the world he's taking the Chiefs are not going to outbid for Juju Smith Schuster because they didn't do it for Tyreek Hill. Yeah. So I just don't see the math like, adding like, up. Like I said, it all depends on like what what Juju does and like mm -hmm. what he's shown is he's loyal, his loyalty to a like I said to a fault, and I think. But even he left the Steelers. Yeah, a year, yeah too, a year too late, but yeah. No, he, but I'm saying he So maybe left, he doesn't do that again. He, he left because Big Ben left. That was his guy. If Big Ben would have just well, stayed there, I think he would. I think Juju would have came back to the Steelers. But why did he leave? He left to come to Kansas City to what? To win a championship. He accomplished that. So I think at this point, he's, he's, accomplished, he's accomplished that one thing. Now, what's the next thing to do? Get that bag. You know, yeah. this is if he can go get life-changing money for him and his family, you know I mean? that For me, I want that for him. Yeah. If that's Whether that's here, whether that's somewhere else, I'd rather not pay him that much. But do that I'd rather, TikTok, I want to see him so get really paid. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. It's really, so, it does come down to Juju. What if the yeah. Chiefs bring in TikTok Decision. and like have him sign like a 50-50? TikTok boy. I'm just going to so tell you, I, just don't be shocked if we hear in, I'll be shocked. in, in late March yeah. when he signs with a team that, you know, uh, he gets a four-year, $68 million deal. 
Don't be shocked when you hear the Chiefs are offering him a three-year, $32 million yeah. deal. Like, that's what you're, you're going to hear. The yeah. Chiefs did try, but they were way down on the X. Ex- because, again, let's be real. It's business, man. When it comes to the needs aspect, who needs more, who more? When it comes to Facts. who who helped who helped who get a ring more? Right. The Chiefs helped Juju get a ring more than Juju helped the Chiefs. Because in the biggest games of the season, he either didn't show up at all or he was hurt. I mean, let's be real. In the Super Bowl, he was fine. He had seven catches in the second half. Yeah, was yeah he was. He was. He was, he was fine. He was fine. Sure. Yes, I'm not sitting here, but let's not pretend like the two biggest plays on offense didn't go to rookies or a guy who's essentially a rookie, Kadarius Tony. But he wasn't 15 plus mil a year good. Right, like yeah, Patrick Holmes had the biggest scramble of the game. He the two touchdowns went to Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. Didn't go to Juju. Juju was a solid player in the game. My point though is. In the evaluation of that game, he was maybe the third or fourth most important receiving option. He was important because he was important because the third downs that they were in, and that he he helped get the first downs. I'm not saying I'm not. I, I didn't say he sucked. I didn't say that he wasn't a, a, a contributor. What I'm saying is, you can get what he gave you from a guy that's making nine million less a year. You could get that from somebody well, in the draft. You well, get that from a free agent why pickup. Why was doing it then? No, MBS is a different skill set. That's yeah, a different guy. He's a guys burner. Like, He's guys a downfield like, guys guy. Guys like Justin Watson. Not a position player. Guys have, like when, even when Juju was out, guys like Justin Watson have filled in and had big catches yes. on third downs and things like that too. It's just it's more about the rapport of Patrick Mahomes and the trust, which they have between each yeah. other. If, if, let's say in the Bengals game, let's say in the <laughs> AFC Championship, when, when Juju went down with the knee, yeah. the offense went to shit, and the Chiefs lose, then we're sitting here going, all right, guys, clearly yeah. the Chiefs need Juju. This would be a different conversation because the fact they still went out there. Patrick looked just as great on one leg with no Juju, still won the game, then goes into the Super Bowl with one leg. Juju plays a part. He's like a role player. He didn't play a massive. If he'd went in there and got like 808 catches for 111 yards and two touchdowns, I'm sitting here going, all right, man. This guy proved himself in the Super Bowl. We need to get him locked down because that would be the case. Similar to the draft, man. this is a it's like it's it's a, it's a game of chess you know it's it's it comes down to value bro like and who who lesser about the name we get caught up on the names a lot but it comes down to value this is why they the Chiefs outweighed their weighed their options with Tyreek Hill yeah. as value as valuable as he was those picks became that much valuable and that played out to be the right decision right because we completely revamped our our our, our trajectory of our defense for years to come now because of that move you know so. I, I try to like take the name out of my out of the, out of the equation here, then and really just go off of the pure value. Is is he valuable enough to get that kind of money from us to hamstring us to a guy that could possibly get injured? I mean, anybody can get injured, but Juju with his 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 track record of that, um, I, just, I, I love Juju, man, and I would love to see him back here. But if he's wanting you know fifteen sixteen million a year, I'm just I'm not going to go that route. Yeah, per, and personally. these are free agents, though. That I am expecting. What if the Chiefs do go that route? I think that they, I think they overspent. Yeah, I mean I, we can survive that. Yeah, but. I don't think that that's a smart business decision. Yeah. I, and I again, I don't see Brett Veach doing that yeah. because again, with Tyreek Hill, like Tyreek Hill is clearly worth fourteen million more per year than than Juju, and they didn't give him that. Yeah, he he was asking for twenty eight thirty million. The Chiefs that's right a now. guy that's never injured. Right. plays through everything. So yeah. it's it, it, that's why that's why I'm sitting here very confidently saying, based on the track record of Brett Veach, they're not going to spend that kind of money on Juju, given what he gave them this year. Especially with the addition of Tony. Yeah. Again, if Juju if Juju was in, was if he played better this season, he played fine. But if he had to put up wide receiver one numbers, if he wouldn't have been battling injuries like he has. I would say it would be kind of dumb for the Chiefs not to sign him back. So you think it's less likely that Juju? I think it's back. less like he's back because I don't think the Chiefs are going to give him the money that the market's going to demand. And even Juju is loyal of a, play, of a player as he is. 
I don't think he's going to turn down thirty to forty million dollars. Well, he's a champ now, man. Nobody can take that away from him. <clears throat> yes. I, I, I have no problem if he goes and gets that bag somewhere. And right? here's for, for the record, I'm not saying I want him gone. No, 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 no. I'm no. saying for the price that the market has set for him right. with the the surrounding. If you go look up spot rack on available free agent wide receivers, you're like. There's yeah. like one guy there's, maybe that's better than Juju on the yeah. entire market. Free agent wise, yeah. So so much. teams are going to look and go, okay, we're about to pay Daniel Jones franchise quarterback money. We got to get this motherfucker a weapon. Yeah. Let's go get Juju Smith Schuster or like you said, Bears. Justin Fields, he has nobody. Chase Claypool. outside of Mooney. They got Claypool like, too. Yeah. Okay. Wait, come on. Let's yeah, be yeah. real. Another like, guy has banged up a lot. Juju's too. way better than Chase Claypool. So it's like you can go and spend money. These other teams that are building their team, the Chiefs are built. The Chiefs are a Super Bowl winning team. It's a, there's a different demand for teams per. It's not created for every team the same. So Bears and the Giants and teams like that that are more desperate, they will spend that money on Juju and he will accept it because he'd be an idiot not to. He or like Trevor said, he came to Kansas City to do one thing: to win a title, and that actually happened. So now he can move forward, knowing he's got that Super Bowl tax added to him. He will forever be known as as a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. You can't take that from him. But you also don't want to take money from yourself or your family, like Trevor said. That's life-changing money. These are free agents I am expecting the Chiefs to get back. So it's not all doom and gloom, Chiefs fans. We're going to have some of these guys back that you like. Starting uh, with with one that I think is very obvious, and we're going to talk about him in a minute. Orlando Brown Jr. will 100% be a Chief next season. Whether he's tagged, whether he's signed to a long-term deal, Orlando Brown will be a Chief. I've had this confirmed to me just this morning that he will 100% not be traded. He will be a chief this season. Another guy that I am very big on that I love. And I just talked about him a little bit ago. Chiefs running back, Jerick McKinnon. He is coming back as long as he wants to play football. He fits this offense. Perfect. They are perfect for him. He is perfect for them. Patrick Holmes absolutely loves Jerick McKinnon. After one year of being on, not even a, I think not even a full season of being on the team. Cause I think he was uh, activated like week five of last season. He was already at Patrick Holmes' wedding. Like, that, that's a big thing, man. Like, to be at, at somebody's wedding, you have to have made a pretty big impact. The way he plays postseason, the way he played all this year, having more receiving touchdowns than Justin Jefferson, who just won Offensive Player of the Year. Jarek McKinnon is still very much an asset for this team. I think he comes back on a one-year, three to $5 million deal with incentives that can get it up to 10. He will be back next season. Tommy Townsend. Clearly the Chiefs punter for the future. He'll be back. Probably the best punter in football, man. One of the best punters for sure. All Dustin pro. Colquitt, eat shit. Um, Colin Saunders, I just said it. I think he's the better version of Derek Nottie. I think he will be back. I think the Chiefs really like him. I think he's only 25 years old. You can get him on a very inexpensive deal. I think that, yeah, I think that play in the Super Bowl yeah. got, him, got him paid. He's just so goddamn athletic, dude. I just I love, love the way big old 310 pound dude like that running the way he does. Like, it and was, I love his personality too. The dude calls everybody's yeah, shit out on Twitter, yeah. no matter where it is. I love it, man. He's he's just a, he's a chief. I get, I see him. For I sure. see a chief. For sure. He'll be here next year, at least one more season. Jody Fortson, uh, he will not cost the Chiefs anything. Uh, just a good big body tight end to, to go out there as a receiving option. Catches a couple touchdowns every season, it seems. Can't really avoid the injury concerns. But again, he's not a guy that you're really going to have to break the bank on. He'll be 27 next season. Probably be his last season with the Chiefs. But I think it's he gets another one-year deal worth like five dollars $600,000. And then he just a solid piece to the equation. Shane Buchel will be back, and I do believe he'll be the backup for Patrick Mahomes moving forward. Yeah. Unless the Chiefs go and get a veteran guy, like I said, that's been with Andy Reid before, like a Nick Foles or something like that. Unless that happens, I'm expecting Shane Buchel to be the backup quarterback for the Chiefs this next season. Uh, very solid offensive lineman who's a backup, Nick Allegretti. I do expect him to be back. There's like rumblings he's going to retire. <clears throat> Nick Allegretti? 
He's only 25, what, 24, 25 years old? Is that how old he is? Yeah. Nick Allegretti's young as hell. I don't know. I heard something Can you look that up real quick, what Nick Allegretti's age is? I'm pretty sure he's like 25 years old. Um, But yeah, he won't be expensive. You can get him on a one-year deal, and according to Trevor, if he's planning on retiring, maybe you can convince him to have one-year deal. I mean, I mean, I mean that's just random Twitter 26. shit. Twenty-six. Thank yeah. you. Okay, is he twenty-six this year, or will he be twenty-seven this year? 26. Okay, twenty-twenty-three. He's twenty-six. Highly unlikely he okay. retires. Right now, okay. Today. Okay. Okay. Sorry, okay. Nick, if I you know, throw some well, fake news. If that happens, there. then obviously the Chiefs will be in the market to go I and get a guy that you know be a good guard backup because he was solid he's when Joe dog. Tooney went out. Yeah. Uh, when Trey Smith's been banged up a couple times here and there, Nick Allegretti <clears throat> filled in. Allegretti. Allegretti. Um, I, I do think he'll be back though unless he does retire um not not something i prefer but yeah. andy reed loves fullbacks michael burton will be back yeah. i'm fully anticipating that um and the final name i want to bring up that i feel great about returning that is a, a hot talk a hot topic for chiefs fans i know that will be a hot topic until we know what's going to happen is mccall hardman i really do McCall, think mccall hardman not only will be back i love it i think he should be back and here's why. Although the Chiefs clearly won the Super Bowl without him in, in the Super Bowl game, you saw throughout the season before he got injured what he's capable of doing and how no one else on this current roster can do what he can do. He is the fastest, most most elusive. Well, they have different skill sets, though, because Kadarius is a better route-running receiver. McColl is a better straight-line, fast guy. He's the fastest guy on this team. He's yeah. one of the fastest dudes in the league. And Kadarius Tony has had the longest punt return in Super Bowl. Sure. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I think that I think Kadarius, he's more elusive. Kadarius is the better package. Do not get me wrong. Yeah. I'm, this is not me knocking Kadarius Tony. I'm saying that the, the gimmicky stuff is what McColl is great oh, at. We saw that against the Niners this past season. Right, he's insanely me. great at it. And he's McCall. only 25 years old. Yeah. And the best part about it is, and it sucks for McColl because he was on his way to getting paid this offseason. Yeah. Remember, Eddie, we talked about it just a couple months ago about when yeah. Trevor was gone. His market was almost at $14 million a year. <clears throat> yeah. He was setting himself up for a big payday elsewhere. Yeah, he was getting that Zay, that and, Zay Jones money. And then he got then he got hurt and his market just nosedived. Now as it currently stands. He looks at a one-year, ten million dollar contract for wherever he goes. If that's what's gonna, yes, if that's what's gonna happen, yeah, come on back. Baby. He would be an idiot to leave Kansas City. Yeah. If you can get a one-year deal, ten million dollars across the league, where else would you have a better chance of upping that market value yeah. than in Kansas City next season? So Does I think have two or one ring. Two. He has two. He was rookie one. season in twenty nineteen. Look, go, go look at market value. Go for three. You, and, and here's the thing. The only way I see McCole Hartman leaving is if Eddie's right, where someone's like, hey, look, we can get McCole Hartman out of Kansas City for a three-year, $38 million deal. Dude, like a, unless that's out there, which I do not envision, yeah. unless that's out there because he's a very limited receiver. Desperate teams. Yeah. True. And some teams want that, to take, take McCole away uh, so they can expose. Look, Chiefs can get I, Eddie, I, look at the Bears. The yes. Bears have the money and are desperate. Go, go look Go look right now at the free – go look at spotrack.com. Vet, wide receiver free agents, you will see about five names out there that are better than McCole Hardman. Those are the guys that are going to get the bag. Juju's one of the names out there. Um, Sterling Shepard's out there. He's recovering from a knee. I do, I do believe other teams see him as a gadgety guy that fits into the Andy Reeds, which I honestly I believe as well. 
Yeah. I don't think he's a true pure receiver. Right. He fits I think this he, offense. He's a perfectly. great player for Andy Reid's offense. Give him one more year in this offense. Get him seven, eight hundred total yards from scrimmage, five to seven touchdowns, yeah. and he'll go and get himself a twenty-six a years weapon. old. He's a true he, weapon. Yes, at that point, at twenty-six years old, he can get himself a three or four-year deal worth forty to forty-five million dollars. Very few teams can utilize. Like, yeah. I, I only, the only other team I think he would go thrive elsewhere is probably the Niners. Or the Jaguars. The way maybe. he uses Debo is similar to the way. Oh, he I got it. I got the list. Yes, uh, we have uh, Marvin Jones. Better. Robert Woods. Better. Jacoby Myers. Yeah, he's better. Yeah, he's better. I think Jarvis better. Landry. Better. Nikhil Harry. Not better. Uh, Sammy Watkins, Jameis Crowder. Ooh, uh, Zach Pascal. No. Marquise Goodwin. He's, he's hurt a lot. He's, he's in that tier. I'd say he's in that tier with those guys. I just, Rashard Higgins. I mean, I don't. And then Juju's on there. Nelson Aguilar. DJ Chark. Nelson's better. Randall Cobb. Chark's hurt a lot. Randall Cobb's old. I like DJ Alan Lazard. Oh, Alan Lazard. Actually, that's not, yeah. He's I can see teams paying money on Alan Lazard. Cam Sims. I just don't. Five. Now you see the wide receiver market I'm talking about it's, for Juju. Yeah, it's, it's not good. Like, it's yes, not good. It's this is one of the worst well, wide receiver markets Juju, in a long time. Yeah. But McCole Hardman is maybe, what, the fifth, sixth best guy on that list? Yeah. Like, the fifth, sixth best guy on that list is not getting big money. Crazy enough is I, I believe his injury is what made me decide that I would take him back. Because otherwise, yeah. I was, like, ready to let him go. But the fact that he got hurt, which does suck. He would have priced himself out but in Kansas City. You don't think City. he's feeding to get back on that field and make another run of the Super Bowl? That's, what I'm saying, That's man. the kind of guy I believe he is. Right. He loves that. He loves being here. Yeah, imagine McCormick at 26 years old. Let's say the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Yeah. He has played 16, 17 games next season, gets 780 yards of offense, yeah. right? Seven touchdowns, third Super Bowl ring. Right. Well, that dude's right, getting bro. paid. You don't think it, dude. I mean, ha having him and Kadarius Tony on the field at the same time is so deadly. We yeah. haven't seen enough of it. I can only imagine what Andy Reid could draw up with both those guys in the field, man. Imagine they draft another receiver Tell in the me. first three rounds. Yeah. You have Sky Moore develop his game. All of a sudden, you have three or four receiving options right there that are speedsters. Yeah, I really like that. I like that scenario a lot. And that's that's why I feel very comfortable and stating that McCall Hardman will be a Chief next season because it just works out for both sides. The Chiefs aren't going to have to break the bank on him, and he doesn't really have the market right now to go out there and justify leaving the Chiefs. Right. I think he gets one more year with the Chiefs, gets himself an opportunity to get paid in 2024. I, I think that's how it's going to go. Um, let's let's go to the extensions, the players that I think are going to get extensions this offseason. So Orlando Brown Jr. is widely expected to get, be given the franchise tag for the second time, which is going to be worth uh, went from seventeen million last year to twenty million this year because it's always based on the top five uh, annual salaries of the, the top five players, highest paid players at that position. Mm. Uh, but but ESPN's Jeff Darlington has been reporting this week that the Chiefs are wanting to get a long term deal done with Brown Jr. I verified with somebody this morning before we get on the show that's very much in the know if that is the truth. And I was told that that is very much what the Chiefs want. Um, <clears throat> I think that what Brown Jr. did in this Super Bowl run, along with how available and consistent he's been over the last two seasons, the Chiefs view Brown Jr. in a slightly better light than they did a year ago. I mean, think about it. He's 26 years old now, right? He only missed one game due to injury since 2018, but in particular with the Chiefs since 2021. He's only had 13 regular season penalties and eight sacks allowed since 2021. That's on 2,260 snaps. Yeah. Only one postseason penalty and two sacks allowed in his time with the Chiefs. That's 401 snaps. In my eyes, that man has earned a long-term deal in Kansas City. Zero sacks in the Super Bowls. Zero sack. He didn't give up a pressure in nice the Super little. Bowl. 
If they don't sign him with an extension, again, they'll be counted for $20 million against the cap this season. That's not something I think the Chiefs want to do. I'm predicting that the Chiefs get this extension done in time, and the extension in my eyes will be exactly what his extension should have been all along. I think it's going to be around the four-year range to about $120 million. This man is going to make a lot of money, and I think I think about if you look at it, like I have, I had his contract set up right here because the market to me, spot rack is where I always go. I know people always hear me mention it, but it's because of the fact that they are usually the most accurate when it comes to contract projections. Um, so right, right now, as it currently stands, the the market value for Orlando Brown is twenty two and a half million a year. I think that's what he's going to get, and I think it's going to happen here in Kansas City. I think that he upped his guaranteed dollars because we remember last offseason, the reason they couldn't get a deal in place is because the Chiefs offered him a lot of money, but it wasn't a lot of guaranteed money now. And Joe Tooney made a shit ton of money this past season, too. Right. And so now you're seeing Orlando Brown's guaranteed money go up because of the performance he just had this season, playing all 17 games, killing it in the postseason. Our trust went up, his money went up. Yes. So right now it's his market value set at five years. So I said four, I'm sorry. Five years, $112.1 million. Average salary, $22.4 million. I think that is exactly what the Chiefs are going to give him. I think he gets a four or five year deal, a five year deal worth $112. Uh, I would say. 70 million of that will be guaranteed. 75, 70, 75 of that will be guaranteed. And then Orlando Brown Jr. is the Chiefs' left tackle for the next four to five seasons. And the best part about it is the Chiefs can get out of that contract when he's 30 years old and they can go and totally reestablish the left tackle if they want to do that. Because by that time, Joe Tooney would be off the books. Creed Humphrey's just now starting to make his money. So they can go and spend more money you on Treat your left tackles like Leo treats his girlfriends. You know what I mean? So that's 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 the way to look at it. But but that that's I I really do believe that Orlando Brown Jr. will be a long term answer here in Kansas City because I I, I feel that if you look at the market, you're not going to go with the Chiefs unless they want to trade up into the top five or ten. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go and get a left tackle that is justifiably starting as a rookie. Right. You're not going to go and get a guy at you know the 97th overall pick and start him day one for Patrick protecting Patrick Mahomes blindside. Yeah. There's not a guy out there in the market that you can trade for that makes sense. There's not a guy in free agency that's better than Orlando Brown Jr. He, so what other option? Agency, exactly. From anybody. And we're yeah. talking from contenders to preachers. Yeah. Everybody would spend on Orlando Brown. For this sure. is the only option the Chiefs realistically mm-hmm. have to protect Patrick Mahomes. And here's the best part. Him and Patrick Mahomes have a very simpatico relationship. You talked about, yeah, you talked about it anyway, Juju and Patrick. That is even more so with Orlando Brown Jr. and Patrick Holmes. This is a guy that Patrick Holmes significantly wanted two off seasons ago. They yeah. hang out yes. together every almost every day. They went trick or treating together. Right, dude. Well, yeah. That's that's they're stuff that you age, can't make up. Age, that's uh, yeah, that's age. his best friend. So think about Garrick Dieter kind of situation. Most sneakerheads like like Garrick yeah. Dieter only was in this team because of Patrick Mahomes' friendship. Right. That's Patrick Mahomes' best friend. Hey, this is a slam dunk. This is a slam dunk for the Chiefs because I think he's a top ten left tackle in this league. Who's just guys? Think about it. He's just now getting in his prime years, yeah. and he's just now getting comfortable in the offense. Like, think about it. 2021, what did I keep hammering home? So you saw some struggles early on. He went from the heaviest run offense in Baltimore to the heaviest pass offense in Kansas City. You know how hard that shit is to do, especially when you're moving from right tackle to left tackle. You're taking on even more responsibility, and you're playing in an offense where your quarterbacks hold the ball for three to four seconds at a time. Yeah. Where Lamar Jackson, hold the ball first three, nothing, run. It's a lot easier to be left tackle in that kind of offense 
It's way more difficult in Kansas City. You saw him this season. This man was a top 10 left tackle in this league. I don't give a shit what anybody tries to tell me. He played his ass off this season. And in the biggest games, on the biggest moments, that man was nails. That is all you can ask for at left tackle to protect Patrick Mahomes. And that is exactly what he did. That's why he's going to get paid. I'm going to owe you 50 bucks because I remember we made that bet if he's going to be the guy moving forward or not. So I'll prepare that $50. Oh, don't worry. I didn't forget. Oh, I don't. I don't forget either. I'm a man of my word. I have the Venmo still waiting. I was <laughs> um, gonna hit the hit click. No, I, I definitely did earn a lot more trust, especially in, you know that that Super Bowl performance, man. I mean, how could you not want to lock the guy up? And there, there are, you know, a small group of positions you highly pay in this league, and left tackle is outside of quarterback, maybe the most important one. Um, so I think you know paying him because you know if he hits the market, bro. People are going to be all over that guy. Anybody will take that dude pretty much outside of anybody who has a, a top-tier left tackle on their roster already. But um, I do, I still do think the Chiefs take a left tackle or a tackle, uh, maybe a swing tackle kind of guy in the drafts uh, uh, at, at a higher posi- uh, pick um, just for some security as well. But yeah. I, I, he's grown on me, man. Uh, he played very well this season, and I was, I was impressed a lot. He, he was a little inconsistent at times for me uh, personally. Um, but as the season went on, this, 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 this line – and. There's outside of having a great quarterback, which we do. You want to have a simpatico uh, uh, offensive line, a team that's uh, the chemistry and all these things. That takes time to build. Just like we saw the Bengals, you know, they thought they were going to throw that line together immediately, and they're all going to be great, and they were okay at times, but they all kind of fell apart, with, obviously with injuries and things like that. But not every team can just throw a line together and expect them to, you know, click. This offensive line, you know, you want that consistency. Those guys that work together day in, day out, uh, and I think he's a massive part of that offensive line, and uh, was a massive part of this run this year. So. Um, <clears throat> locking him up for the next few seasons makes makes too much sense, man. And it's a lot of money, but to me, like I said, you got to pay a few positions in this league, and left tackle has got to be one of them. So protect protect uh, Patrick Mahomes at all costs. I've said it since uh, last year. I've said it when people were trying to get rid of Orlando Brown this year uh, before his uh, franchise tag. He's like, well, uh, he sucked the, the previous season or whatever. Uh, he started off slow this season, and people were already, already like, questioning should the Chiefs sign up uh, for years. I've always said, yes, this is this is the guy. I was like, if the, Chiefs, if the Chiefs have to spend money, this is where you spend the money. You have to protect your franchise quarterback. Yeah. The two biggest positions in this team, left tackle and quarterback. And, and you can't tell me otherwise. You have you just have to protect Patrick Mahomes at all times. You, you, you know how he... Uh, Patrick Mahomes is kind of like, uh, fuck, like uh, the way he moves around the yeah, pocket, his pocket just, presence. Yeah, it's just, you just don't know what his next move is, and you need guys like Orlando Brown that know their that, tendencies. Exactly, yes, know the quarterback's tendencies. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and for sure. Him having point. that friendship with Patrick Mahomes also it's also huge. Yeah, uh, that that's Patrick Mahomes' guy, and he's been Patrick Mahomes' guy since since uh, he joined this team. I think the Chiefs have to break the bank with this one. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt the bank. It's going to hurt. But this is a, a position of need. This is not something you can just go, eh, we'll just draft somebody. We'll just wing it. You can't do that. Oh, we'll just find a free agent. You're not going to be there. To, it's just, it, this is a position where the Chiefs can't really mess around with or play around with. It's either pay them in. Or are you going to pay the consequences? There, there are positions where the, you can literally have a, like a revolving door. Yeah. And you can just fill guys in, plug and play. 
Left tackle has never been that. Well, in dynasty dynasties don't do that. No, you need a guy that's solidified. Look and, at every dynasty in the NFL. Yeah, they all have their offensive line, especially the left tackle, solidified. Yeah, how many years? How many more years is Joe Tooney under contract? Twenty twenty-five. Okay, so we're good there. His hit, his hit goes lower and lower as the, the years go on. I believe yep. so. This is the best time I think to pay Orlando Brown because those the, the timing of it would kind of be perfect because um, he'll be getting more money as Tony's making less. So that makes a lot. And Creed of, lot of and sense. Creed and Trey Smith they aren't need to get paid. two more years on contract. Right. And the rookie deals are not making anything, right? Because neither one of them were first round picks. Creed's a second and Trey's a sixth. Yeah. So combined, they're and, gonna break like three million dollars in twenty twenty four. Yeah, to what we know, they were close last year. They were very very close, but negotiations really didn't start to like a week before and. and I mean, the blame the, the, kind of yeah. Too. The blame goes goes both ways. Yeah. Uh, but now, the, obviously, the teams and and his uh, his agency had time to talk about. it. I'm sure they talked about it throughout oh, the yeah. season. I'm sure they already talked numbers. I'm sure every, they already. I'm sure they have a contract already in in their table. They yeah. Just, and hey, yeah. remember we talked about this about how I, I said that uh, that the Chiefs don't trade for a guy like him and give up what they gave. Unless they had, gonna, yeah, unless he was a guy they had for the next five to ten years yeah. on their team, you don't make that kind of trade. Look at Frank Clark, years. like look what the Chiefs gave over Frank Clark. He's still on this team, and he was struggling. They gave, they gave him that extension yeah. right after they signed him. That a hundred no questions million. asked. Yeah. So like with with these kinds of trades, look at Brett Veach and what he's done when it comes to trading assets to get players. Every guy has been here for at least three years. Look at it. I mean, this, Orlando Brown's going to be on this team next year. This will be year three. Frank Clark's been here for five seasons. You don't see the Chiefs make trades like this and give up first-round picks unless they're guys that they see being here for a long period of time. I think Orlando Brown's going to be here for at least another four or five years. We got some questions. We got some comments or anything? Uh, I'm just reading one of the comments. Okay. I, I I have to go to Facebook to, to see who wrote it, but it says, I have no doubt the Chiefs will try to sign him. I'm sure he was talking about Orlando. Uh but what if he wants to be a free agent or go uh, go to free agency? A team like the Bears could offer more than the Chiefs could. Uh, Bears have a fifth-round rookie at left tackle, and Reef is a free agent Probably at right Reef. tackle. Yep, at 34. Yeah. A good run blocking left tackle with a scrambling running back, the Bears may offer more than any team could with 98 mil caps. Okay, let me, let me first address the, the Bears part of it or the free agency part of it. That 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 part of it, I no no offense to anybody that did write that, and we will give them their their name credit. The Chiefs would never let Orlando Brown become a, John Harrison. Thank you, John. We one of our favorite people. The Chiefs would never allow Orlando Brown to be a free agent because they would they can tag him two more times and then trade him if they want to. The Chiefs have the control here. It's going to come down to what they can agree to when it comes to contract. So he, the Chiefs would be idiots to just let him walk. After the after this season, they franchise tag him. They can franchise tag him again, and then he could walk. But the Chiefs wouldn't even do that because it'll be twenty eight at that point. So, when it comes to the Bears, yes, they could offer him more money, but that's only if the Chiefs were to allow him to negotiate with said team. I don't think the Chiefs are going to allow him to do that. They're going to put the exclusive franchise tag on him. So if anybody wants him, they're going to have to give up multiple firsts. I don't think anybody's going to be doing that either. And I think that's what the Chiefs know. They know they have the leverage in this one when it comes to Riley Reef. Let's be honest here. You just kind of you kind of spelled it out. There's a reason he's a free agent. He's 34 years old and he's injury prone. I don't want that. 
Why the hell would I want a guy that's eight years older than Orlando Brown and is significantly worse when it comes to availability? Orlando Brown, the only reason he even missed a game with the Chiefs in 2021 is because he pulled a calf last second in warm-ups in the Bengals game, and they literally had to almost sedate him from going into the game. Yeah, he was like causing a yeah. ruckus on the sideline. He was pissed. Tell him that yeah, so that's the guy I want. I want that guy that's in his mid-20s that doesn't miss games, doesn't miss time, and when he does play, he's one of the best left tackles in football. That's the guy you pay. We're paying him. We're paying him. Yeah. 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 And like I said, I mean, not to repeat myself, but this is a position you can't you can play around with. This Especially is, with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. There. This is a yeah. franchise quarterback you got to protect. You got to protect him with the franchise left tackle. You can't you you can't find talent like that just out of nowhere. Yes, you can you can say well he came out of the draft. Yeah, but I mean he's already made his presence known in the NFL. He we already seen what he can do in the NFL level. We can go get, let's say, the number one draft, uh, the number one rated uh, left tackle in the draft. That doesn't mean that's going to translate to the NFL. So we don't know what what that can be. Had we let, like, if we let Orlando go, we get the number one rated left tackle in the draft. You don't know if that's going to work because you don't know if his talent translates right. to the well, NFL. Well, it comes level. down to logic too. Logically, how if you're going to explain yourself, think of the. Can you come up for more reasons why you should pay him or for more reasons why you shouldn't pay him? Right. I think we can come up for way more reasons why we should pay him than why we shouldn't. And, the and a lot of those are just emo- – the why we shouldn't are more about emotional and like and fear-based. The biggest reason why we should should just say uh, – should just be Patrick Mahomes. That's, that is literally the only Protect reason. And let me, let me bring this up. Let's say, let's say the Chiefs were in the market of trading Orlando Brown right now in the hopes that they can get in the market of getting one of these best left tackles in this market. And I'll be honest with everybody here, uh, viewing and listening audience included, I haven't really scoured the college ranks as far as what the left tackles look like in this draft. I'll do that later on mm-hmm. when we start talking about the draft. But let's say there's a guy – that's projected to be in the top 15 in this draft, right? It's a left tackle, surefire, can't miss, the next Jonathan Ogden, right? Let's say he's the next Willie Rofe. The Chiefs are in the market trading for him. Uh, I'm going to list off the first 15 teams in the draft, and you tell me which one of these teams are going to give up their first-round pick for Orlando Brown. Chicago Bears, say yes or no. You're going to give up the number one overall pick for Orlando no, Brown, yes no, or no. no. Uh, number two, Houston Texans. No. Number three, Arizona Cardinals. No. Number four, uh, Indianapolis Colts. No. no. Number five, Denver. No. They actually give that to Seattle. I'm sorry. De- oh, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. No. They, their tackles are they, solidified. They, um, the, the Lions, number six. Mm. They have one of the best offensive lines in football. Yeah, no, they're not yeah. doing that. Um, the, the Raiders, Hell number seven. Yeah, they won't trade it to the yeah. Chiefs. The Falcons are number eight. Maybe. You think they would give up the number no. eight overall pick for Orlando oh, Brown like, Jr.? Yeah, the number Orlando. over the number. No, no, no. I'm looking at overall oh, no. pick. No, no, no. Number eight overall pick. No, no number no. nine overall pick. Panthers. No. Number ten overall pick. Saints to the Eagles. No, the Eagles okay, have one of the best offensive lines. Get it, Lance. We get it. Okay, I'm just going. <laughs> hold on. No, I got four more. I'm sorry. Yeah, four more. I have the Titans at number eleven overall pick. Mm. No. Number twelve overall pick to the Texans again. No. no. That's just the, that's the top twelve picks right there. Yeah. That's the that's the area the Chiefs would have to trade into just to get there, and they'd have to add more picks into the equation to get to that place. See how this doesn't make sense? You're starting to it's not realistic, and it, and the Chiefs would have to give up too much just to get there. They'd have to sacrifice a 26 year old left tackle just to get in the market of getting a 21, 22 year old left tackle, who's, like Eddie said, who would be unproven to be with. Right. So it doesn't even make sense to do that. And that's the only logical one, if you want to even call it logical, to, to replace Orlando Brown. And that's not even logical. 
So I understand Riley Reef's out there. Riley Reef at this point is a glorified backup right tackle. He's too old. He's too banged up, and and his market just isn't there, man. I just there's no reason in the world why the Chiefs shouldn't pay the money that it, that it demands to get Orlando Brown Jr. He went on it. He bet on himself. He did not accept that contract last year and went into this season and had an even better season. Had one of the best seasons that a left tackle's had in Kansas City in quite a while, to be honest with you. He bet on himself and when he's going to get that money. He's going to get. I think he's going to get thirty million more attached to that guaranteed dollar figure than what the Chiefs offered last season. Yeah. The next guy that's going to get restructured this offseason is Chris Jones. Look, he's entering the final year of his four-year, eighty-five million dollar extension. He and the Chiefs agreed on in twenty twenty. Since then, yeah, he's only helped the Chiefs host three more AFC Championship games. <laughs> Got two more Super Bowl appearances and one more Super Bowl title. And even with his massive 2022 campaign that got him his fourth All-Pro selection, uh, his fourth season with at least nine sacks and his second ring in just seven NFL seasons, even with all that considered, Chris Jones' current contract simply isn't going to make sense for the Chiefs moving forward in 2023. As it stands, Chris Jones has a cap number of $28 million against the cap which includes a $19.5 million base salary. The Chiefs are not going to leave this as is. No. 100% not. Yeah. And the Chiefs have options here. Look, guys, they, the Chiefs have legitimate options here. With Orlando Brown Jr., they really don't have any options. Mm-hmm. With Chris Jones, they do. And I'm going to break those down. The Chiefs could cut Chris Jones before June 1st and immediately save $21 million in cap space. Just the, by doing that. The Chiefs could trade Chris Jones, and my God, could you imagine the haul they can get back for Chris Jones at 28 years old? Yep. You're talking about multiple first-round picks for Chris Jones. And you still save the $21 million. That sounds pretty fucking good. You can move to the top 12 with Chris Jones. I think that you can get in the top 15. I, I don't know. Top, top 12 is pretty pricey. Top 15, I can see a top 15 pick for Chris Jones. But yeah, you might be right, Eddie. I, I the, the Saints or the, the Falcons might shock me and, and give up one of those picks. Maybe you're right. But you know what sounds even better? The Chiefs extending Chris Jones, rolling over his $18 million of salary into a signing bonus and spread that over the next three or four years, saving the Chiefs anywhere from $18 to $20 million in cap space anyway and keeping the best interior pass rusher in the league. That's including Mr. Aaron Donald. Yeah, Chris Jones is it's, the best in the league right now at what he does. It's a no-brainer. And he's in his prime. And he's showing no signs of drop-off. I will forever go back. Man, when it comes to these types of things, I will forever go back to when we had our guy BJ Kissel on this very show talking about this very thing. And he said it, and it will stick with me forever as long as Brett Veach is the GM of the Chiefs. Unless you are a unicorn or a -a one-of-a-kind individual, the Chiefs are not signing or extending you beyond the age of 28. And that has been consistent. And ever since BJ said that, I'm like, holy shit, he's right. They don't do that unless you're an elite figurehead or a guy that they're going to build around. Mm-hmm. Since 2020, I'm going to admit to you guys, I'm sorry, Chris Jones, by the way, will be 29 years old in July. Right. So he clearly would have to fit that figure. Still very much in his prime. But since 2020, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've had about five different opinions when it comes to what the Chiefs are going to do with Chris Jones. I've been on the side that this will be his final year. They're going to trade him. They're going to sign him. They're going to release him. Like I've, I've said pretty much everything there needs to be said about Chris Jones and what the Chiefs are going to do because I've had no clue over the last three years of what they were going to do. Yeah. 
I honestly thought they were going to trade him after the 2019 season when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because, quite frankly, if we're being honest here, and I'm the biggest Chris Jones fan around, the Chiefs were winning playoff games literally without him in the in the lineup against the Texans, down 24-0. Chris Jones didn't play in that game. Yeah. Against the Titans, didn't play very well. Chiefs still won that game. And in the Super Bowl against the Niners, played decent, didn't get a sack, though. Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I'm thinking, man, you know, going from 15 and a half sacks in 2018 to nine sacks, maybe this guy's window just wasn't as big as we thought it was. And although he's extremely touted, maybe he's on a decline, even in his mid 20s. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that she's made the right choice and extended him in 2020. Because, like I said, he's already done what few Hall of Famers could ever do in the short window of time. And because the fact that my eyes and everybody that has working eyeballs, Chris Jones is being a unicorn and a one-of-a-kind individual. He is by far the best interior defensive lineman in the league. Yes, again, that includes Aaron Donald. And there's been zero drop-off in Chris Jones' game and ability. I genuinely believe he is one of the truly great interior pass rushers of all time. And I think that's only going to continue. I think because of the fact that people are saying that Tyreek Hill got traded, so therefore Chris Jones is going to be the same guy. There's been a misconception here. Tyreek Hill wasn't as valuable to this team in totality as Chris Jones. You guys remember a couple years ago when we had this very talk? No, no, hold on. Remember remember we had this talk about who would you pick long-term, Chris Jones or Tyreek Hill? We all said Chris Jones. We all said Chris Jones. And it's not because we don't love Tyreek Hill, Mm. but we all know that Patrick Mahomes can do damage with or without Tyreek Hill. Yeah. You lose Chris Jones, how do you replace – you can't just replace Chris Jones. Yeah. He's not a guy that you can say, okay, let's trade him away. 15 and a half And we'll sacks, be good. Yeah. It's his production. It's his consistency on being on the field available almost every single game of his career. The fact this man is a true leader. He's the mic'd up video during the Super Bowl of telling all of his guys to sit down, take a breather because he knows they're going to be right back on the field. That's the kind of guy that's constantly in the game. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing all the time, even when he's not on the field. He's leading the men. So you have a leader, you have an insane producer at an all-time level, and a guy that's helped you win at an historic clip, unlike anything we've ever seen in franchise history. And he's only going to be 28. He's only 28 years old. So Tyreek Hill, as great as he was and how valuable he really was, he Tyreek was insanely valuable. He's a, he's a unique, unique talent, maybe yeah. the most unique talent we've ever seen in the NFL. Chris Jones for this team, with Patrick Mahomes leading the way is a more valued commodity, so you can't compare the two when it comes I think to that extensions. Was confirmed this season. It, it's been confirmed. Yeah, it was confirmed. And with him having his best season, I think this was his best season of his career, even over 2018. 2018, he was insane, yeah. but he was one of the best in tackles for losses, pressures. Sacks capped off yeah, the Super Bowl, he was like bro. second in quarterback hits as an interior defensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, man. Like he was competing with Nick Bosa. Silly. An edge rusher. Guys. He has been one of the three most important pieces to the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl this last last season. No doubt. I am confidently predicting that the Chiefs are going to extend Chris Jones, and I'm going to give you the actual details that might blow you away. Three years, $98 million, $70 million guaranteed. To note That's a lot why money. my numbers, why my numbers are these particular numbers. Aaron Donald last offseason signed a three-year, $95 million, $65 million guaranteed extension with the Rams, and he was 31 years old. Chris Jones is three years younger and is the better player currently and is also eight inches taller. I didn't know this. Eight inches taller, 30 pounds heavier. Yeah, Aaron Donald's not a tall guy at all, yeah. 
The Chiefs give him a contract that would pay him $1 million more per year than Aaron, than Aaron's extension while upping the guaranteed money by $5 million. That's how I see this going with, with Chris Jones this offseason. They have options, and they will exercise all these options. But I think the best option of them all is solidifying the best interior pass rusher in the league by a wide margin in his prime yeah. for the next three years, giving him four more years on contract with the Chiefs and getting him the money he deserves. I'm, I'm assuming we have some comments. <laughs> From Shaggy Shane. Uh, he, he's first uh, with Orlando Brown Jr., how you how we were talking right before Chris Jones. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. has, to, uh, has too, too much bad film consistently posted by Nick Jacobs. Former Chiefs player Team Grunhard says to pay him top five money, but not top two money. I agree with Grunhard. And then he goes to say, Chris Jones is the heart and soul of the defense. He's indeed getting extended. Yep. Well, we definitely agree on the on the on Chris Jones, so I'm glad that Shaggy sees that way. The thing about Orlando Brown Jr. is, and we and this is the whole thing I told Trevor last offseason. Yeah. No, I'm with you on this now. This is what I've always been telling people. Yeah. Just because you're not the best player. Yeah doesn't mean you're not going to get the best money. Lamar Jackson is about to reset the market. So is Joe Burrow and so is Justin Herbert. None of them are the best quarterback in football. In fact, by this time next season, Patrick Mahomes, I'm sorry, by this time during next offseason, Patrick Mahomes will be about the eighth or ninth highest paid quarterback in the league. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying that sounds? How crazy that sounds? The best quarterback in the league by a mile is going to be barely in the top ten at highest paid quarterback. So it doesn't matter that you're the best in the league at what you do. It's the market that is presented to you. Think of it like real estate. It's real estate. Yep. Thank you. Exactly. It's about where you're at yep. when you're there. Yep. Orlando Brown Jr. is not a top five left tackle. He sure as shit and a top two left tackle. He's not. But he's going to get that money because that's where the market is at at the current he time and place a, when he's eligible a for a couple. Yeah. zero sacks. Like Thank this you. guy's going to get the bag whether so, you like it or not. I agree because I've seen that video that Nick Jacobs has very much provided, and I appreciate what Nick, Jacob, Nick Jacobs does. He's very, very knowledgeable. Yeah. And there are there is bad film out there on Orlando Brown. You know where else there's bad film on? Trent Williams giving up a sack to Frank Clark in the end zone. And yeah. week, was that week oh, eight, week he, nine? Yeah. Yeah. There's bad film on everybody. And Trent Williams is the standard. The best left tackle I've seen in years. So there's bad film on everybody that doesn't take away from what Trevor just said. The fact that in the biggest games on the grandest stage against a pass rush that I was told was going to rip Patrick Mahomes apart. The best since the 85 Bears. Orlando Brown Jr. bitch slapped those motherfuckers. He bitch slapped them. He he tossed those those dudes around. I'm telling you, dude. Maybe it's the rabbit tail he likes to carry around. I don't know what it is. All I do know is Orlando Brown Jr. has come up big in the biggest games. Yeah. And and I'm and that's what I'm looking at. You pay those guys. Obviously, you want them to play well in the in the regular season. That's what gets you. I I wish we could pay him top top you know five instead of top two money. I wish we can get away with that. But he's like you said, it's going to demand. But in two years from now, the market demands. In two years from now, Orlando Brown's going to be the sixth or seventh highest paid left tackle. Right. Because somebody else is going to get that money. A young 22, 23 year old stud left tackle that just started his career is going to get that money in two three years. And then we're not going to sit here and talk about it anymore because you guys remember just two years ago. We're looking at Patrick Mahomes' contract going, 
Holy shit, that is like, whoa, how did he get that? What the yeah. fuck? Now we're going to go, dude, we got, yeah. got Patrick Holtz on a steal, dude. He's Holy like, shit. Like, like fifth, sixth, pious pick. Exactly. Exactly. And the wait, like I said, you have three superstar quarterbacks getting extensions this offseason with Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert. What they're going to make, guaranteed-wise, mm. is going to blow Mahomes' money out the water. I, I Not even mention Derek Carr, whatever he gets in his contract. I was just about to say this. I paid, don't, like, yeah, pay attention to those guys, but pay more attention to what Derek Carr gets. The future Hall of Famer, Jack Derek Carr? Is that what we're talking about right now? <laughs> Christ, man. I love it. I love that quote so, so much. But, yeah. yeah, pay attention to what Derek Carr... I, I, I think that can help reset the entire market because I think these teams are going to wait on what Derek Carr gets yep. to sign Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. I think they're going to wait and see what he gets to kind of to kind of go off of that. That would right. be my... Because Derek Carr is not a top five quarterback. Uh, top 10, no. no. He's fringe top 12. He's top yeah. 12, top 13. Because so, sure. yeah. Jalen Hurts jumped a lot of people. For sure. Jumped. I mean, I had him when going into this season. I had Jalen Hurts at 19th overall. People thought I was crazy for that. I remember one of our guys. I had one, one of our guys in the spoke who was like, bro, you are an idiot. They literally called me an idiot for having Justin oh, Hurts. Just, too high? They thought I was too high on Jalen wow. Hurts. I had Jalen Hurts at 19. People were like, bro. He's not that good. Oh, and now man. he's without question a top ten quarterback in the this league. It's there. not even question. He's had to put it. He had to put it together up here. That's how quick this there. stuff changes. And the other guy, yeah, he could get himself a fifty million dollar year contract. Oh, he's going to get paid. Oh, this, that's, this that could happen he's, this season. Yeah. This this off season. Yeah, so that's my point. Is that just because, like I said, you're not the best in the league? I mean, you're going to get paid like because you you're going Jones to. out here asking for forty five mil. At one time, Derek Carr was the highest paid quarterback in the league. At yeah. one time, Matthew Stafford was the highest quarterback in the highest paid quarterback in the league. Yeah. Um, Drew Bledsoe. Those guys, all those guys have reset the market. Because the market demanded. Never the best quarterback in the league. Yes, sir. So Orlando Brown Jr. is never gonna, probably never going to be the best left tackle in football. That does not mean that he should not get top two to top five money because that is what the market stands. Um, just a little quick note before I get to the most controversial part of my entire take. Oh, boy. Shit. And trust me, it's going to it's gonna set some shit ablaze. Uh, yeah. you, just um, love it. you just love this shit, don't you? I, I will say this. I don't. I, I don't expect Justin Reed to be extended, released, or traded. Justin Reed. I think he's going to be on this team for sure for the next two years. Yeah. Um, but I do expect the Chiefs to move his current base salary to a signing bonus, which is going to create about four million dollars in cap space. There's nothing that that risks it for Justin Reed. He's still going to make all of his money. They're just going to move a few things around. I think that'll be a nice little underrated uh, contract maneuver the Chiefs are going to make. That's going to open some money that they could utilize on signing either draft picks or a, a frigent or two. I just want to throw that one out there. Let's get to the players I see being released. Don't do it. And I apologize. This is uh, this is going to be very controversial, but it's not even this isn't this isn't the most controversial I'm going to get to. Uh, so MVS was expected exactly what I anticipated he would be a uh, a med receiver uh, that would absolutely shock you on one big time performance. Had a career year, but yeah, had a very very uh, for him. Yeah, that's a very good solid season. Literally a career. Um, year. With that one incredible performance, you usually expect that to happen in like week six. And had that happened in week six, I would say the Chiefs will release him and save the $7 million in cap space they would get in return. Luckily for Trevor and the rest of the MVS Colt, uh, I don't think think because Juju Smith-Schuster is returning, the Chiefs wouldn't have a single proven commodity at the position. And MVS happened to have that one incredible game in the AFC Championship when literally every other receiver went down with an injury. The man showed up in the biggest, most unexpected way. Who the hell expected MVS to have a sixth reception, 111 yards, one touchdown game? He did. Eat shit. That and he did out. it. 
which is why I'm flipping it on y'all motherfuckers' heads. He's back next season. Let's go. MVS will return. I threw it. y'all off on that God one on purpose it, because I knew I was going to piss pissed. y'all I'm off. He right said now. release. He started this whole show with release. The only I reason I was right tempted now. to say the Chiefs could release MVS is if I built the scenario in that Juju was returning and that that way the Chiefs would say, oh, well, let's cut Juju, let's say $7 million in cap. Yeah. In my opinion, that $7 million is more valuable than MVS is because he's a guy that at best is a wide receiver three. He's a good wide receiver three. But that's what, I think that's what he's getting paid to exactly. do. It's not that much money. Man. I get it. My point, though, is with, with the Chiefs wanting to go out there and spend a little money, $7 million would be really nice to have, and they yeah. don't really lose a lot of money in the guaranteed side of things with him. Yeah. So MVS will play one more season with the Chiefs. We need think, that field stretcher too. Yes, man. because again... Without Juju, and this is all based on my scenario here, there will not be a proven commodity. Sky's not proven. Kadarius is not proven. And those are the two guys right now the Chiefs are looking to anchor their offense on. So they would need a guy like MVS, a 27, 28-year-old guy, good stretch guy. Deep crosser. Yeah, experienced player. You know, things like that. He's played big now in a big game. Played huge in the AFC Championship. It went for him. He was the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Patrick relied on him. That's his third year's the option, right? Yes. And that's when the Chiefs will. I do believe the Chiefs will be gone gone in year three. But I, he did I have a career to, year this season. I, I wanted to flip that on you guys and say that MVS will be back. I am expecting okay. MVS to play for one more yeah. season with the Chiefs. Yeah. Who I do not expect to be back. Oh, shit. Here we go. Is one of the true leaders and a large portion of the heart and soul of this team over the last four seasons. A guy, <laughs> stupid. He's a guy that the Chiefs didn't draft, but rather was Brett Veach's first big trade asset. And that is Frank Clark. <sighs> Look, I, I will be the first to admit that I wanted I wanted the Chiefs to move off of Clark last offseason, especially after his gun violations went down, especially when all that offseason, off-field shit was going down. I was like, God, he's just becoming more of a distraction at this point, man. And I knew he's a good dude, but it was getting really old at that point. But it was mostly due to the availability factor and the fact that over the last two seasons and post-seasons, he had been extremely underwhelming. He went, what was it? I think he had, what was it, nine sacks in his last, like, 1,100 snaps. Like, it was terrible. Last season, he finished, like, 91st in sacks. I was like, oh, my God, he's done. Like, I, I really thought he was done. Yeah. I was like, this dude is a 28-year-old has-been. And I was criticizing the Chiefs for bringing him back, but he shut me the hell up big time this season. Yeah, uh, especially in the postseason when he put up two and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, and four quarterback hits in their three-game Super Bowl run. And let me put it like this. When it comes to Frank Clark, the Chiefs do not, and I mean do not, win Super Bowl 54 and Super Bowl 57 if Frank Clark is not in Kansas City. Facts. He was one of the most important pieces to these two Super Bowl championships, without question. Yeah. I will forever, forever appreciate what Frank Clark has done for my favorite team in the world. And he has had some of the best lines. He's had he's made he's brought me to tears. He's man. the most quotable guy after we won the, both these Super Bowls. Everything about Frank Clark is awesome. Yeah. He's a great human. He's a in the biggest moments, dude shines bright. I, I can't sit here and, and praise what Frank Clark has done enough. I love the fact that the Brett Veach made this trade. It's one of the greatest trades in Chiefs history. It changed everything. Yeah. Unfortunately. All good things do come to an end, and I do think the Chiefs should end the relationship with Frank Clark this offseason. Biggest reasons why. Clark will be 30 years old this next season. 
His health is still very much a concern. The Chiefs have double-digit draft picks with Veach on an absolute tear over these last three drafts, which means he will more than likely add another stud on the opposite end of George Herloftis, who had an awesome rookie season. And quite frankly, Clark being released would be a major contribution to the Chiefs team moving forward when it comes to cap space. If the Chiefs release Frank Clark before June 1st, they will save $21 million in cap space. Just releasing him. $21 million? $21 million okay. if they release him. Yeah. I know the team loves him. We love him. But the biggest reason they kept him last season was due to his contract structure and how it would have cost them far more to cut him than to keep him. Mm-hmm. That is in no way, shape, or form the case this year. He's going to be owed $30 million this year if the Chiefs keep him. Now, you can say they can extend him. Mm-hmm. Are you really going to extend a guy that's 30 years old and if that we, deals with health injuries, health concerns? Yeah, it's been more about his health than actual like physical ailments and hurt and, and injuries. But if we do cut him, how much do we still have to pay him, though? As far as $7 million. That? So it's $30 million total, $7.5 million if you cut him. That leaves around 21 and some change in cap space well, know, that you keep. Yeah, and I know he restructured things last season to kind of... But they, the Chiefs would have owed money if right, they cut him. Right. Now they get 21 you don't, you back. You think there's a way that he can maybe stick? Because you know, I know you said we love him, the Chiefs love him, and he loves it here as well. So I think, is there a way you think that maybe he restructures some, some things and... Yeah, here's the thing. Extends his, his, maybe he signs another three-year deal to extend it and like we kind of like stretch out the money a little bit. The, the reason why I don't that's think that's... a lot that's, of money. 30 only, mil is a lot. The only way I think Frank Clark has achieved this next season is if one of the Chiefs do something that irresponsible, because that's what that is, because we talked about it, about how you have to be a unicorn or one-of-a-kind individual to get a contract extension after 28 I mean, years old. We're talking old. about an all-time great defensive player in the postseason. Sure, but history. we're not talking about an all-time great. We're talking about a guy that plays all-time great level in postseasons. He's not an all-time great player. In the, in the all-time moments, yeah. He, but, he, but we would agree. Frank Clark is not an all-time great player. No. He's not. He's not a Hall of Famer yet. Yeah. I think he had a chance, but he's 30 years old. Yeah. And and I just don't see the Chiefs stretching out his money for another three seasons. This kind of feels like Eric Berry. It kind of feels like Eric Berry. Granted, Eric Berry is a Hall of Fame type, type player. Much yeah. better overall player in his career, obviously, throughout the regular season. But, but Frank Clark the experience is, in the yes. postseason that Frank Clark's had and shown in, 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 in those biggest moments. But it feels like, because he's like a heart and soul kind yeah. of guy like Eric Berry was. He's a fan favorite. This, this is the only realistic way, because I don't think the Chiefs are going to do that. I don't think yeah. they're going to give him an extension. Yeah. The only realistic way I see it is if he does like something Eddie was suggesting about Juju, where he says, I'll cut, I'll slash that's what I'm him. Saying. But see, he already did that last offseason. I don't know if he does that. I don't think he does that as an edge rusher that's at the end yeah. of his prime with the market the way it's going to be. Because you all know, 29, 30-year-old guys yeah, like Zadarius Smith. That's that pivotal year. Zadarius Smith just made money last offseason. Yeah. You don't think Frank Clark go out there with two rings attached to his name, one of the three greatest pass rushers Two-time in postseason champ. history? Yeah. You don't think he can go out there and get himself a two, three-year deal worth $40, 50000000 million? For, for it sure. could happen. For sure. Someone's, someone's going to pay That's him. not happening here in Kansas City. Ah, I don't like it. That sucks. And here's the thing. I expect Clark to, like, to land on his feet somewhere while getting, like I said, one last payday of his career. But his purpose here in Kansas City has been fulfilled. I sincerely, again, cannot thank him enough. And I hope the Chiefs throw his name in the ring of honor because I think he's more than deserved that. 100%. And I hope that he comes back and can bang the drum for years to come. Having him as an honorary guest, yeah. have him back as the Chiefs kingdom, you know, give him the uproar, you know, when we revisit in 20 years. The 2019 Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champion, 54, Super Bowl's 57 champions, you know, having those guys back when they're all old, decrepit guys and he's all waving and stuff. I want that to happen. 
But his time in Kansas City, I think, is really done, guys. And it sucks. I'd love to see him come back, but the money just doesn't make sense with his age and consideration, with his health considerations, with the Chiefs being a team that always moves off players a little earlier than expected. I think that's what's on brand here for the well, Frank and Clark. That's, and that's honestly, that's what the, the teams that want to build and continue a dynasty run here, dynastic right. run that we are wanting to build here, that's what you kind of have tough to decisions. do. Tough decisions. Like yeah, I said, the tough Patriots decisions. did it for years. Patriots cut so many guys with big names. Uh, I mean, just some news coming down. To, uh, looks like. Dolphins cornerback Byron Jones uh, appears to retire from the NFL oh, at age what? 30. Oh, wow. I didn't expect that. I mean, he's, he's not the, young, but... He's one of the best in the league, though, I didn't bro. expect that. I can, I, I can read you his tweets if wow. you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. That's crazy. All right. Much has changed in eight years. Today, I can't run or jump because of my injuries sustained playing this game. Do not, in all, cap, in all caps, uh, do not take the pills they give you. Do not, again, in all caps, take the injections they give you. If you absolutely must, consult an outside doctor to learn the long-term implications. Hmm. It was an honor and privilege to play in the NFL, but it came at a uh, regrettable cost I did not foresee. In my opinion, no amount of professional success or financial gain is worth avoidable chronic pain and disabilities. Godspeed oh. to the draft of uh, class of 2023. God damn. Holy shit. He just dropped a hammer. That's rough. So he's essentially calling out the Dolphins organization. Well, the NFL, really. How long did he play with the Dolphins? Uh, I'm not sure. He didn't get drafted there. Yeah, he, was like, he, didn't get... he was with the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been uh, one of the best. 2020 babies. to the 2023, I believe. Damn. That just opened up a whole can of worms. That's a lot, yeah. And we already know that the Dolphins have some issues with, you know, yeah. the way that they, they have their owner and everything, the way he did things with Brian Flores, trying to collude with Tom Brady yep. and Sean Payton. 2020-23, drafted by the Cowboys in 2015. Damn, that's crazy. Looks like he's called it not not official. Wow, that's what to his tweets. Poor guy. If we read between the lines. Talking about chronic much. pain. Yeah. yeah, Mitchell Schwartz talks about how can't run or jump. That's pretty much what he said. Yeah, Mitchell Schwartz talks about how he has nerve damage. Uh, the only shooting on his back all the time, and that's just. I mean, you know, that's how it's gonna go. It's a sacrifice. It, with it really all is. Sincerity. I, I, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, mindful for what he's saying, but I mean, these guys do sign up for this. It, no, this, that's that. What he said there is 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 heart wrenching and, and, and you feel for him, but at the same time, this is old news when it comes to this kind of game. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of these guys do sign up for this. You know what you're signing up. I mean, this is before the NFL. It's not like though he was He's like been trying doing to this like since college days, since high school. All these guys do this their whole life. Of it, course, it, you're gonna have chronic pain. Yeah, no offense. It, I think like the weird thing. He he's he's making it sound that, like he's trying to give some insight as to like how shady things are with teams. Yeah, not like the NFL, not like the, with like the, the yeah with the NFL yeah. in general. I think he's advising people to like, hey, don't. Because they say, oh, you're fine. Go play again. Yeah. Yeah. Said, it didn't sound like he was saying, like, oh, no I regret playing football. I think he was saying that I regret letting not, these teams do what they yeah. did to me. Yeah. Not going and seeing a doctor taking, myself. Taking the professional's yeah. words for right. it and the, the team doctors. And That's not, why he yeah. said go to other doctors outside yeah. that have no bias. Yeah, yeah, I would recommend that, too. You know, <clears> I mean, uh, it's, it's your body, bro. Yeah. Like, this is, you know what I mean? You know, so that's, damn. I well, see it both ways, but you do know what that, you're signing up for. That actually that actually bodes really well for what we were doing because mm. the next conversation we we're about to have Don't you do it. is about the cornerback position. Um that's like I said, that was a great segue actually that it worked out that way. <clears throat> Brent Veach has shown us day one that he's not afraid to be aggressive and spend money and assets to get players he wants in both trades, free agency, and even in the draft. But Brett Veach has also shown us his conservative nature and conservative side when it comes to one position, and that is the defensive back. DBs that Brett Veach has drafted since 2019, nine. 
Free agent DBs that Brett Veach has signed since 2018, seven, and two of them was re-signing Dan Sorensen and Brashad Breeland. So it's really only five. Do you know who the highest paid cornerback for the Chiefs has been in the Brett Veach era for a single season? Bashad Breeland in 2020 when he made $2.4 million. $2.4 million. Hell, he, even before the 2022 draft, when Veach traded up eight spots in the first round to get Trent McDuffie, the earliest Veach had taken a corner in the draft was the fourth round. That's why I was like I was of the, I 100% believed he was going to trade up for like a Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. I was 100% believing that yeah, oh, we're getting, we're getting pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, and they go up and get a corner. Yeah. I was shocked by that. Veach has a tendency to play it safe with this position, but let's not pretend as if he absolutely hasn't crushed it at that position while playing it safe. This is why I'm predicting. This is why I'm predicting the Chiefs are going to trade Legarius Sneed this offseason. Wow. He's under contract for this next season, right? Legarius Sneed has one year left on his rookie deal and will be 27 years old when he becomes a free agent in 2024. Although I have been someone that is very much on board with the Chiefs extending Sneed, I now see the writing on the wall. Yeah. The Chiefs clearly build their cornerback uh, depth through the draft. That is evident as all get out. Although this would be a very, very unpopular decision amongst Chiefs fans, let's be real about this. The second Super Bowl win along with the emergence of Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, and Trent McDuffie would soften the blow significantly. I honestly believe the biggest reason the Chiefs were so aggressive in trading up for McDuffie was due to the idea that they would move off Snead a year early. Because we know one thing about Trent McDuffie, he loves playing in the slot. He's great at playing in the slot. Mm-hmm. That is where Legereus Sneed was converted. Because Legereus Sneed was originally drafted as a safety, ended up becoming a slot corner. Yeah, almost almost best, exclusively, yes. Best blitz, uh, and, he just had, corner in the and he just had one of the best seasons the cornerbacks had in about five years. Yeah. His value has never been higher. It's never going to be higher, probably. The Chiefs aren't in need of a draft pick or draft picks. But adding two or three more in a Sneed trade would give the Chiefs around 13 to 14 picks to do literally whatever they wanted with them. And we've seen who the Chiefs have paid big money to. Elite players at their positions are players that can't immediately be replaced due to positional importance, as I've been breaking down literally all show. It's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Joe Tooney, and probably Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah. These are the key cogs in the Chiefs winning Super Bowls for the next five years. And as much as I love him, I don't believe Legereus Sneed is and his this year and, and this he's one of those pieces. And what proved that the most to me was a lot like what I talked about when it came to Juju Smith Schuster and what have you done for me lately? It was the AFC championship against the Bengals. It wasn't just that the Chiefs won while shutting down Joe Burrow and the Bengals' offense for the final three quarters while Sneed was out with a concussion. It was the fact that it was the rookie corners and safeties that stepped up and made the plays while he was out. It was the guys that were supposed to replace the older, more expensive players that made those plays. Yeah. It'd been one thing if LeJerry Sneed was the one making those plays and the young guys were out there being barbecued chicken. Yep. But Brian tips the ball to Joshua Williams. Jalen Watson goes on and picks that shit. These guys are the ones that made the plays. 
These are the ones that are going to replace him and other players like Legereus Sneed. And here's the thing. Had the Chiefs struck out on these rookies, like I'm just saying, with these rookie corners, let's say Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson never really caught on. Trim McDuffie was a bust early on. And the, you know, the Bengals beat the Chiefs again. Or the Chiefs survive but get torched by the Eagles again. Or get torched by the Eagles in the Super Bowl. I would be at I would be at this very time and place pounding the table. You gotta pay Legereus Sneed. He's the only proven commodity they have. You're not gonna find him out there. That's not the reality we're living in, guys. And I know we want to keep all the guys we love. Yeah. But we are now in an era Dance. and in a time. Yeah. We are now in an era and a time when it's all about Patrick Mahomes and who you have at head coach and Andy <clears throat> Reid. As long as you have those two, you can build the team as cheap as you want and you're still going to win Super Bowls. How do I know that? It literally just happened. The first Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes was inexpensive. Wasn't making any money. That's why you can go drop all the money on Sammy Watkins. That's why you can go and get guys that were expensive as hell and restructure all those guys and spend all the money that you were doing. This time around, the Chiefs were on the clearance rack the entire offseason mm -hmm. and won the Super Bowl. Two different dynamics, yeah. So as much as we love guys like Legereus Sneed, as much as we'd love to see him come back, it's not worth spending that money on him. And look at it. As I just said, before Trent McDuffie, the Chiefs were super conservative in getting corners in the draft. They got Legereus Sneed in the fourth round. Yeah. Which means there's going to be another Legereus Sneed somewhere down deep into this next year's draft. And the draft after that. And you know who finds him better than anybody? Brett Veach. Yeah. The guy that found Legereus Sneed. Who in the world thought Legereus Sneed would be the guy he's become? Nobody. Nobody. I didn't think that. He looked really good in those nine games his rookie season. But I didn't expect expect him to be a guy that was going to get 102 tackles. What do you think we would get for him if we did trade him? Thank, I'm glad you asked. That's my next point. You're welcome. I'm looking, I'm looking at the trade value right now. As it currently stands, the Chiefs could get two mid-round picks for him. So I looked at it from an optimistic oh, standpoint exactly. because he's coming off his best season in his prime with a year left on his deal. Chiefs could get a second and a six-round pick for the Jerry State. Sign me up. Hell that would yeah. give the Chiefs three second-round picks and two or three six-round picks. We already got 11 picks going in this draft, right? 11 picks. You would get 13 Bro. picks in a draft you're hosting for a cornerback you can replace. You can even package those back up and then go move up into the higher second and or who's to say, lower first again. Who's to say Trey McDuffie isn't the better version of LeJarius Sneed? Yeah, I mean, that's he's the more talented player. He's, he's, he's a first-round pick. He's the better cover corner, for sure. Thank you. For sure he so, is. Again, I'm not going to be mad if the Chiefs say, hey, you know what, we're keeping Legereus Sneed, we're going to sign him to a three-year deal. I'm not going to be mad. Yeah. But I think if we're looking at this from a financials perspective, with the money the Chiefs are going to have to spend on Chris Jones, Orlando Brown Jr., what they're going to have to try to do with Patrick Mahomes' contract moving forward, Joe no, Tooney, no. Creed Humphrey, Tra yeah, Travis, all these other more important pieces. Every single guy I just named is more important than Legereus Sneed. And again, the way this team builds the team, Quarterback is not one of the most important positions. No, they don't not. value it as much. There's a rotating door. We just won the Super Bowl with three rookie uh, defensive backs playing meaningful minutes in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Legereus Sneed missed three quarters in the AFC Championship against the team that owned us, and it didn't matter. Got the dub. If I'm the Chiefs, I make this trade. Yeah. I love Legereus Sneed. He helped us get to two Super Bowls, helped us win one of them. Love the guy. But this is good business. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm with you right now. I got... I'm always a guy that that had that lives and dies by the uh, the you don't pay corners. I just you just don't pay corners that big money in this league. The Rams are trying to move up Ramsey. Yes, exactly. That's backfiring That's on them bad. You know what I mean? So you just don't. He got paid. Oh my! His contract is wild. Nuts. So yeah, his last year was complete trash. That's he what was, I'm saying. He was you just don't. He's only 28. It's, it's arguably garbage. arguably the most volatile 
Their cornerback and running back are probably the two most volatile positions in football. Uh, running back, obviously, because the shelf life is so short. Paying them so much money is silly. Uh, and they're very much the most replaceable skill set uh, positions. And then cornerbacks. They're going to get burnt. Guys are going to get against you. And you're going against it in the offensive game as well. You know, it, it, those are some of the most replaceable guys as well. But Legereus Need does have a rare skill set, though. He is a hybrid player. He, is that, he has that safety mentality, but he plays cornerback. Um, he doesn't have the best hit fluidity, which is why Trent uh, McDuffie is so good because his hit fluidity is incredible and his ability to turn and play the ball. And he's only going to get better. Um, and I do believe that. So I do believe Trent McDuffie was the move that kind of, you know, set up that this, this season. Or next season, obviously, if we wanted to let Legereus Steed walk and let him play out his contract, I think the time is now, though, if we are going to trade. And coming off of a, you know, a good Super Bowl performance and a Super Bowl victory, too, you know, I mean, is he a two-time? He's a two-time champ. Who? Sneed, right? No, oh, no, no, time. he wasn't a part of the first. Rookie time. season was twenty twenty. Got to the Super Bowl. It loss. Feels like it though. Yeah. I mean, he's been to two Super Bowls. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm with you. As much as it does hurt, I love Sneed. I love. I love a solid, bigger, uh, uh, blitz uh, corner. And I think obviously he's. The epitome of a Spags guy, which does you know me, but at the same time, so is Trent McDuffie, you know. So, uh, um, yeah, man, it's gonna suck not seeing him out there. But I think I think it, if, if any of these moves, this one makes the most sense to sell high. Yeah. So selling high on luxurious need and not overpaying for a, a cornerback or a DB in general, um, even though he is a massive part. I mean, but. It, Tyron Matthew was a massive part of this defense, you know, when he was here. You know, having to, to cut our loss on that made sense to as much of a fan favorite as he was, even more so. Um, it makes all the sense in the world to, to get – if we can get a second and a third. Well, and real quick, on, on the other on the flip side of this, this might actually benefit Legereus Sneed's career as well. Oh, yeah. He's going paid. <laughs> yeah, let's say there's a team out there that's like, no, no, we value corners. Saints, the and, Saints. And like yeah, that. yeah, thank you. They love you the get a DBs. team on the NFC side – we're going to give you a three-year, $51 million deal. Yeah. You don't think Legereus is like, I'm back home. Yeah. New Orleans and Mississippi are right next to each other. Right. Like, sign me up. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this could this could benefit his career. I got my ring. I'm forever and in Chiefs' DBs, lore. Their DBs are getting older. Legereus yeah. still a young guy. Yeah, I'm forever in Chiefs' lore, but now I'm going to get my money after I get my ring. My ring, to cha ching That's what I call it. I don't blame you much uh, for that. Question from uh, Jen Harrison. He's yeah. like, curious question. I thought the Chiefs only have nine picks currently. Are there a potential compensatory picks yeah. accounting? Or? Well, the Ryan Poles, uh, Ryan Poles becoming the GM for the Bears, gave the Chiefs an additional third. They have 11 picks total right now. Right. I know that. You no, they have nine as of right as of today. They have nine. No, I, 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 I there's sure 11 picks. There are 11 picks right now. Nine picks. Here, I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up for you guys so you can see how many the Chiefs have. The Chiefs have. I think the the compensatory picks aren't equated into it. Yeah, but there are. Yeah, I'm I'm almost certain that we have 11 picks total. Yeah, hold on, I'll show you. That was Arrowhead. Arrowhead probably would post that. Right, hold on. Uh, I think there might be some confusion on what they're actually. The Chiefs are currently projected to have 11 picks in 2023 with compensatory picks right. equated. Right. This is according to ChiefsWire.com. So, so nine, two, nine in the naked two. eye, but two compensatory picks will be added to the equation. I know one of them will be a third round pick because Ryan Poles is a minority, yeah. got an executive job that's an automatic third round pick. Yeah. So no, you're right though. My point though is, is you add more picks to that equation. So let's say it's just nine. Yeah. We trade then you're looking at eleven anyway. If you go and trade a luxurious need, yeah. you go and give him that offer. You or he goes and gets an offer somewhere else. Then you're adding two more picks to the equation already. So you have double digit picks regardless. 
And that's the way I'm looking at this is I think that – and you know what the best part about this is? Is we can talk about the draft in a month because that's when the draft's going to really become something of, of actual notoriety right. that we need to talk about. The Chiefs can literally do whatever they want in this draft. So when you have an excess amounts of a pick, um, excessive amounts of picks, and you have you literally can just go and play house money. Two straight years. How scary is that to be? What's up? I, I, I get I get I get what you're saying on the yeah. draft picks. So we had 11, but we traded two for Kadarius Tony, which included right. the third round pick right. that we got from Pools. Okay. So that already left. So we have as it stands nine total draft picks for the 2022 draft. Okay. Uh, Which makes trading luxurious that much more. The team is expected to be awarded some compensatory picks for 2020, uh, depending on free agency losses. Right. So that number is yet unknown. So uh, that's why you have to look at the restricted free agents the Chiefs have right now. If they if they try to do a, like a match, an offer sheet, and they yeah. try to match, and, the, and that that player still takes the other offer elsewhere, the Chiefs are going to get Pittsburgh pick for that. Yeah. So, what the dynamics of it is, I don't know. Depends on who the player yeah. is and what the position value but, is. So. Uh, but yes, they are correct. It is nine. Yeah. It is nine total draft picks that we have for it's the still 22. eleven to me. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's still real yeah, to me. Damn it! I thought it was eleven, but uh, I guess we forgot the Tony trade. True. Yeah. But like okay. you said, the compensatory picks will still be in play. Uh, the anticipatory, like I said, based on shifts. Yes, more than likely the Chiefs will have double-digit draft picks, regardless. Yeah. And anytime you have over seven draft picks to mess with. Well, especially coming off all the picks we had last season. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And all the cap space we have, bro. How the many Chiefs are in young, the best position? How many in football, cheap bro? players the Chiefs have right now on their roster? Yeah, that's why this they literally can do whatever they want in this offseason. Like, I don't think I could have this write up that I just gave you guys for the last hour and a half. I don't think I could have done this last offseason because it wouldn't be realistic. Like trading Legereus Need would make zero sense last year because the Chiefs absolutely had to have him. This year, it's like, oh, yeah. oh Chiefs are playing with house money. You got Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, Tripping Duffy, Brian Cook, like all these young corners, defensive backs. They can literally just ba- build their defense upon now. Oh, you want to give Chris Jones another extension? Well, you got the money to do that because you're not spending anything on Nick Bolton yet, George Karloftis yet. You're not spending money on any of those guys. Right. Th- this wasn't a reality a year ago. They were relying on Frank Clark. They were relying on Melvin Ingram, who they signed in the middle of the season. This defense, this this team as a whole, has completely been retooled. And that's what I love. Is that it was like 41 of the 53 or 42 of the 53 guys on the roster last year were Veach guys. Yeah. 42! It'd be one thing if he'd been the GM for 10 years. Yeah, obviously you want to see that that many guys on the roster from him. But within a four or five year stretch, already 80% of your roster is the guys he got you? It's insane. This is why Brett Veach is the reason why. Obviously, uh, A.D. Reid and Patrick Holmes are the biggest reason why. Because I think you throw some good guys out there, they'll get win a Super Bowl. It's been proven. But Brett Veach is, the, is a big reason why I'm okay with moving off big names. He's, Luke, play, he's playing the long game because he knows how to draft. He knows what he's doing. His last, go look at go look at Brett Veach's last three drafts. I wrote the list up a couple weeks ago and I put it on this show. There are like fifteen dudes on this team right now that he drafted that are either star players mm-hmm. or guys that are playing meaningful minutes. Fifteen guys. Those are I mean that's that's not including tr- players he traded for like Orlando Brown Jr., Frank Clark. It's not even including those guys. That's not including guys that were of, the, of pre, past tense with, like you said, Tyron Matthew, right. who played his way into getting the Chiefs to two Super Bowls. All the guys he's brought in here have contributed to winning rings. Bashad Brilliant. a ring. The, the highest paid corner he ever got helped the Chiefs. He had an interception in a Super Bowl the Chiefs won. Right. Like, these are picks. These are moves. These are things in place. Kadarius Tony t- worth two picks. I would make that trade 100 times out of 100 well, times. Yeah, absolutely. 
Because look what this guy's done. He's proven me wrong. I did not like that trade initially. Yeah. That blew up in my I face did. gladly. Yeah. Kadarius Tony is 100% worth those two picks. Got three more years of control on this dude. Let's go. And you have the fifth-year option on that because he was a first-round pick. Mm. So every way you look at this, guys, every scenario I built today, the Chiefs can go the opposite way and it's work. But I feel very confident based on what I've researched, based upon the people I've talked to, and I trust me, I've been talking to some very some people that know some stuff that have been nails on all their other uh, predictions and some resources. These are the ways I think this is going to go down. Now, in fairness, I have not asked anybody about the luxurious need trade. This is something that I came up with on my own. Yeah, I'm going to ask some people about it, and if I find anything out, I will definitely report it if I'm allowed to. But I think that that is the trade I know will be very controversial. Fans will not like it, myself included, because I know, like, ah, oh, man, like like Trevor said, it, it hurts because he's one of our guys. You know, yeah. like, you saw this guy literally work himself as a fourth-round pick into becoming a proven champion. But this is still a business. And yeah. Chiefs fans, one thing I know, man, being a Chiefs fan of over 30 years, we fall in love with our players. Yeah. But what separates a championship team from a team like the Vikings is that you get loyal and you start spending money on guys that – aren't as good as they used to be, but, man, they're great for the fan base. And then there's teams like the Patriots that are cutting Willie McGinnis. Yeah. And, 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 and Joe and, Tooney. Yeah. You know, they're just letting these guys walk, and yeah. they're winning Super Bowls. Yeah. Well, I want to say this, too, though, as far as just after this we can move on from Legereus or whatever, but with with the idea or the, the fact of reality that the Jalen Ramsey thing backfired in L.A., uh, uh, you know, with that 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 trade, paying him all that money, or that not that trade, but that they're trying to trade him now after paying him all that money. Do you think that kind of brings the market back down for DBs, guys like Legarius Need? Do you think their 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 market, as far as demanding certain amounts of money, do you think they kind of falls back down to earth? And and if so, do you think that would be something to where the Chiefs can kind of meet him in a median realm yep. where we can pay him a handsome amount of money, but not too much in overspending for a DB, which I, it's against my religion. Obviously as you just do not sign overpay for DBs. Uh, you think that we could find out, is there a price where you would like to meet him and keep him here? Find a way to keep him here on a decent. Yes. I, there, there are, there scale? is a scenario where I could see the chiefs getting him. Uh, I looked at his market value right now, as it currently stands, he's only going to make around 7 million a year on his new deal. But which I'm just saying too, because with, with this, with our secondary being so cheap right now, yeah. all these guys on rookie contracts. I mean, we do have some leverage. Obviously we got to pay Chris Jones, extend him, pay Orlando Brown. I get that. Yeah. Is there a way, though, with our secondary being so young and so cheap, all these rookie contracts, is there a way to keep him here? Because if, yes. if you find a way to keep him here, I'm on board with that look, more than I am trading look, him. Look, uh, this uh, of, of the... Depends on the market, obviously. It is a very realistic scenario that Legere Seed is still a Chief next season. Yeah. I'm looking at this from the perspective of the Chiefs playing the long game. Because I don't think the Chiefs want to pay him that kind of money. Because based upon his positional value. It, yeah, it, it so, comes down to what the dollar Yeah, to answer your is. question about Jalen Ramsey's situation, I think what that's going to mess with in the league is how much people are giving up to trade for corners. Does that make sense? Because Jalen Ramsey was 26 years old, 25, 26 years old when the Rams traded for him. And they gave up, I think, two first-round picks. Yeah. I think the Earl Thomas trade, or not Earl Thamas, uh, yeah, Earl Thomas trade messed with that. Same with J- uh, Jamal... Uh, for the Seahawks, they gave up multiple picks. Oh, yeah. Um, Jamal, uh, and somebody's probably screaming at us Jesus, right now. Yeah. Uh, I, the safe for the Seahawks, they gave up all that from yeah, the Jets. Yeah. Um, they gave up all that draft capital. That's going to change. But then you're going to see guys like Pat Sertan and Sauce Gardner make $100 million contracts, and they're going to be worth every penny of that because you're going to still have your standouts. They're going to reset the market. I mean, uh, let's be real. Let's be real. I don't know if guys like that are worth on. that much money. We, we, hold on. I'm just saying. Yeah. Based upon team. 
situations. Yeah. Pat Sertan for the Broncos is his, worth that money. His value for that Sauce team. for the yeah. Jets is worth that money. If they were here in Kansas City, they're not worth that money. Hell no. Yeah. I would love them, but I'm not spending See, but that's, $65 million guaranteed on a guy like that at a cornerback position situ- in Kansas City. That's situational. That's contextual. Right. I'm just talking about simply off the market. If the market dips... Because guys like Sauce, guys like... But those guys will reset it is what I'm saying. They'll yeah, reset it. when that time comes. Yes. But I'm saying right now, market up is up and down. Obviously, up mm-hmm. and down. Um, so with the, the downfall and, the, and the, 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 the way it played out for Jalen Ramsey in L.A., granted, I know he got a ring. I get that. But the fact that they're trying to get rid of him, dump him off, get out of that contract, because they, they obviously know they overpaid for him. Um, does that? I was wondering if that might affect... Because obviously, luxurious need is not on, not on that, that level. Right, yeah. But... If it affects the, the market for DBs in general, and he's not that high on the totem pole, could that knock him down a few steps even for his level where he's at tier-wise? Or is it, could we find a happy medium to where we can bring him back? Because I would be on board yeah. for that too, but obviously I want to get assets back for guys when because this, this is going to be this offseason yeah, to do so. The, the, the fact that I remember, I remember I said on that show after the draft that I felt like the Chiefs built their defense now like the Seahawks of the mid, early 2010s. Yeah. Young and fast. Because of that, yeah, I just don't see the Chiefs spending money on a on an acquisition on an asset that they've had for three or four years. Yeah. I think they look at it and say, "Hey, look, we just nailed it on not not two but three different cornerbacks in this draft alone. All three of those guys are going to be starting next year for the Chiefs. So, Legereus Sneed in that context becomes that much less valuable yeah. for the Chiefs. Now, again, a team out there that is in desperate need for cornerback play because they don't have a Patrick Mahomes." Mm-hmm. They might say, hey, luxurious need to us is worth $45 million, yeah. $50 million, whatever it is for a and four the fact that we won deal. that Bengals game basically without him was was a pretty big deal. Look at Charvera's board when it went to the to, uh, to The, the Chiefs didn't even He's draft him. nowhere near as good as Steve. Okay, yes. but what did he make? He yeah. fucking make bank with the, the Niners. The Niners paid his ass, dude. He, what, he got $42 million? This is true. And you're right, LeJarius Seed's a much better player than Shavarius Ward. Well, well, but the Niners, who are a perennial contender, yeah, they bought in. value corners. Yeah, They value corners, so they built their team differently because they are not what? They're not quarterback reliant. The Chiefs are. Yeah. So that team is built differently. That's why I could see a team, if, they, if Brett Veach is on the phone right now, and let's say he... Uh, Calls the Commanders, a team that would need a cornerback. Hey, man. Oh, shit, the Dolphins. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at the... <laughs> home you know, home yeah, just retired. Yeah, hey, we'll take a second and a sixth-round pick. You can make that six a conditional pick. Yeah. Just give us a second-round pick because he's pl- outplayed his fourth-round value. He's doubled his fourth-round value. Give us a second-round pick and a conditional sixth, and we'll give you luxurious need. That ROI is beautiful. Look at the teams right now in the league right now that are not quarter that are, that are not quarterback reliant yeah. that need a great defense that need down corners. Those are the teams that are going to be trading for Legarius Sneed. Commanders, Commanders are a team because yeah. you don't know what Sam Howell is going to be. You don't even know if he's going to be their quarterback. You don't know anything about the Commanders you right now. Don't know anything over there. All you do know is that you don't know anything. And so teams like that, they're going to be desperate to contend in the NFC East or the NFC North, wherever the case, Vikings need a corner. My God, he'd be perfect for the Minnesota Vikings. Hybrid guy, yeah. Oh, my God, he'd be perfect for them. A rebuilding defense with uh, Brian Flores now up there. Little Jarius would be perfect for the Brian Flores defense. Physical, big cornerback. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, he'd fit so in a lot of systems. This is, this is what I'm saying, guys. I think this is, this is the route the Chiefs need to go. I'll miss Legereus, but guys, for the next 10 years, we're going to be saying this about a lot of players. Man, I'm going to miss that guy. Man, I'm going to miss that guy. But when we see Patrick Mahomes hosting his third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 
19th Super Bowl, we're going to sit here and go, well, I like that better. So let's just yeah. go ahead and keep doing what we're doing because it's working. Um, that is where I'm at right now. Do you have you don't have one more guy you want to talk about? Guy that was supposed to score in the Super Bowl that you, you said was good? I don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> Come on, I'd man. Rather, I'd rather... I'd rather well, what's going to happen with Clyde, I'd rather, I'd rather... He's getting cut. I'd rather Clyde out hide out. I mean, hey, I'd rather hide out from that one. He did, yeah, he didn't want to... He didn't want to Clyde the... The, the no, bus. he'd rather go to a fucking fashion show. You don't want to climb go to the, the bus and then go the, to the, the Super Bowl parade. parade. Yeah, that was salt. That was salt. He's for gone. Sure. He's, he's and gone. I don't. I don't really just to entertain the fuck you by the way, but just to entertain it. <laughs> there is no trade value for Clyde. I think uh, the Chiefs would be lucky to get a seventh round pick. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, yeah. running backs. <clears throat> and I don't know if you've seen the rumblings about the Chiefs been in the mix of like talk with like Saquon talks and no. like. Uh, uh, do you see Jonathan Taylor's going to get traded most likely from the yes. Colts? That's crazy. Yeah. And the Chiefs are – I know the Chiefs' name is – I saw the Saquon news. Yeah, yeah, There is 0% chance Makes Saquon no Barkley's a Chief. Yeah, I see that. Like, 0% like, chance. Yeah. He's he, – first of all, <laughs> even if he was cheap, yeah. can you rely on Saquon Which Barkley? Not. Saquon's dude, not. Yeah, dude, yeah, dude yeah. plays like 9, 10 games a year. I would trade for Jonathan Taylor quickly. Quickly. And even he missed like 14 games this year. Yeah. Seek. All day, baby. Dear God. <laughs> Bro, we Cement feet? Yeah, oh, okay. we got Pacheco, baby. Look, the, the Chiefs will... For, they learned their lesson with a Clyde draft pick. Yeah. You will never see the Chiefs I take a first... Shit, too. I, I was so happy. Mark this tape, guys. I hated if you're, that. If you're on your screen done, right now, do the slide thing and hit the screen save thing. Mark it. I'm going to give you three seconds. Three, two... One. Okay. Hey, it's Lance Twidwell from the Spoken Podcast, and I'm here to guarantee you the Chiefs will never spend big money or a big draft pick, first-round pick in particular, on a running back for the entirety of Patrick Mahomes' career. End scene. Well, that will so, never happen. So what you're saying is that they're not going to listen to Patrick Mahomes anymore. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. If Patrick Mahomes asks them to draft a quarterback or a running back in the first round, they're going to say, I get, I, get, I get why they did that. I get why they did that, but we, we now know why Pat's not a GM. Lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> is, that was a terrible draft pick, Patrick. Yeah. Your job, and, and is, I like Clyde. <laughs> a Patrick's job is only to become friends with them. That's it. Yeah. Look, I like Clyde. I was to yeah. the bitter end. I was. I believe the guy you could do still something. Said he was going to score, the and Super Bowl. he's fucking inactive. Yeah. And then he doesn't even and show up at the parade. Like I said, guys, yeah, it no. just it's just one of those things you have to accept. I have to take my L on this. Yeah. He Not was, he was productive. He was productive when he was given opportunities. For sure. But he was always hurt. Season, yeah. He kept getting hurt, and he just could not stay on the field. Yeah. Really, if at that position. Yeah. This was his third season hurt, right? Yeah. Straight third yeah. season. Yes. And at, this, at that He's position, gone. you have to do what Pacheco did. You have to be that guy that literally hits the ground running. Yeah. That is the only way in this league today that you stay on a roster as a running back is if you do what he does. On a rookie deal, you go out there and prove yourself. Seventh I'm gonna you, round I'm going to give some bro. information on this, guys, as well. And I know fans are going to want to hear this because we all love Isaiah Pacheco. In three years from now, Pacheco will not be a chief. He won't be on this team. Probably not. Because the Chiefs are going to use him yeah. until he's 26, he'll 27 years elsewhere. old. And then he'll go and he'll he'll maybe try and get on another roster or become someone else's Jarek McKinnon and then just fight his way around this league. But you better enjoy this time now because running back shelf lives are very short lived. Yeah. A guy, especially a guy like him that runs. It's taking so aggressively. massive hits, takes punishment, isn't a big Not running a back. Big guy. Those guys don't last very long. So enjoy Pacheco now while he's in his youth. While he's doing what he's doing in his early 20s, because those days will rapidly precede him, and then he will be done. Um, that's where I'm at right now when it comes to the way I see the Chiefs attacking their in-house um, issues, movements, things of that nature. 
trust me when I say in these in these these coming weeks, uh, we will be talking about players that I think the Chiefs could sign in free agency, players the Chiefs could trade for even potentially with all their draft picks, um, and who I see the how how we see the draft going for the Chiefs because as we know right now the Chiefs have the thirty second overall pick. We'll be hosting the draft. I know that the Chiefs are going to want to make some splashes in the draft, continue to add more young talent to an already young, talented roster. But that's for another show for another time. We're not going to jump too far into that stuff because we definitely want to maintain the, the content as that time comes, as relevance for that content comes. But now we need to transition to the Eddie Hour because I know that Eddie's got some questions in the world of sports across the landscape of the world of sports that he wants us to get our answers to. So without further ado, I've taken enough time. Eddie, what's in the Eddie Hour this week? I ain't got much. You know, just about 12 questions. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I really don't have much. It's been kind of, kind of a slow week with uh, sports, but there is some, some stuff out there. Uh, let's start with uh, your thoughts on the XFL so far. So I, I've been per, like, I'm not going to sit here and say I've been sitting here watching full games, but what I'm really liking about the XFL right now is they're doing two things that I think any fan of any sport would love and admire and appreciate and respect. You're seeing guys getting second chances, guys that either made the league or never made the league because of whatever issues they may have had, they just weren't good enough. Um, one guy in particular is AJ McCarron, the former Alabama Crimson Tide quarterback that won two titles with Nick Saban about ten years ago. <clears throat> AJ McCarron was not a good 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 enough uh, quarterback to play in the NFL, and that was proven evident. Uh, he was in the league, I think, up to 2020, 2021, and he just never ever amounted to anything. Now you're seeing him in the XFL win a big game, and he's getting emotional with his two young boys. Two big games. I'm sorry. Thank you. And he got really emotional that after that last interview because you know that this game, regardless of whether it passed him by or not in the NFL uh, level, he still loves it just as much. And I can appreciate that as a fan and respect that as a man that follows this sport and loves sports and is competitive in my own regard. To see a man like that, the game has passed him by. He's in his 30s now. Nobody really pays attention or, let's be honest, really cares about A.J. McCarron as the football player anymore. To see him still go out there and care enough about himself and about his own legacy and about what he cares about, his pride, and goes out there and wins two meaningful games like that to him is nothing short of awesome. The other thing I love about what the XFL is doing is something the NFL is going to benefit off of, and that's experimentation. We're seeing them utilize the 4th and 15th rule. We're seeing them utilize the field goal option that they have now. I'm loving this stuff because, yes, because now the NFL is 100% going to copy that shit. And they see it working in this. Yeah, yeah, if they see this stuff working and like, oh, fans are loving this shit. The the NFL is going to use any excuse in the the rule book to start implementing these things. And one thing we know about the NFL since the beginning, because I don't know if you guys know this, Football was created on soccer and lacrosse. They basically combined the sports, and that's how football was created. And they basically just started tinkering here and there throughout the years, throughout the last 70, 80 years, 100 years of football. They've constantly just changed this and this and this and this. So that's never going to change. The NFL is constantly going to evolve. I would not be shocked within the next two years if some of these things the, NFL, the XFL is doing, the NFL doesn't use exclusively in their league and we get used to it because that is things, as long as it benefits the game, ups the brand, and it brings more casual viewers to the to the, the platform, mm. why in the world wouldn't you do it? Cool it? So I love what the XFL is doing. It'd be cool if the XFL can figure out what it catches and then the, Chiefs, the, the NFL can just you know <laughs> take that. Um, I actually haven't watched too much of the XFL yet. I haven't had much time to sit and watch it. Um, but from the, the clips I've seen and from like the cool Agent McCarran story and all that, 
Um, seeing some guys get second chances, seeing Josh Gordon out there getting a touchdown, you know, things like that. Seeing these guys yep. get some exposure. Um, a lot of the logos for the teams really suck. Um, outside of that, uh, it's been a pr- pretty entertaining product. Um, a lot of there's been a lot of mixed reviews on it that I've seen. Um, a lot of people want to say it's scripted. It feels WWE ish, like, but this, they feel it's scripted in ways. But it's like that's it, that's not the case. But everyone thinks everything is scripted at this point uh, in sports. Um, but Overall, I think the product is, as far as it being, you know, a, a new push for a new product, The Rock being behind it, I, I feel like he's going to do whatever it takes to make it succeed. Um, you know, um, but I mean, as far as, you know, poaching talent, other guys that maybe didn't make the league, because there's so, we all know there's so many guys that are incredible athletes that don't make the league uh, that can get a chance here. That's a cool outlet for them. Um, you know, how they go to the, can- you know, the Canadian League or anything like that. Um I think this has I think this has a lot of promise. I do. Um, and a lot of that, you know, it could be obviously even be a farm system for the NFL. You know, there's some guys out there actually absolutely thriving. We've seen guys come, you know, to the league uh, well, from the have, Canadian they league. They do have an agreement. The right. NFL and the NFL. So yeah, it's pretty much what, what you it just is. Said. Yeah, the farm system. Yeah, that's exactly what it is for the NFL. Yeah, so it's like the NFL's G League, uh, yeah. which is a cool way to look at it. And it it gives people an opportunity to watch, you know, and bet. You know, the sports bettors out there it gives them, you know, another uh, way to bet on games and uh, enjoy some football during the offseason in the NFL, which is a smart way to do it. That's a smart way to go about it. So, um, and I'm like a guy that watches the G League and stuff and, and the uh, uh, the pre NBA season stuff. I watch that stuff, so I'm, I might eventually get into it. I haven't really got into it yet, but uh, I know a lot of people are enjoying it. So it's it seems to only be a good thing at this point. And don't be shocked if you see like a USFL versus uh, XFL champion versus that would be cool. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool, like, like bowl games, like yeah, because bowl those games are for two it. minor leagues, pretty much to the NFL. So that'd be pretty interesting to see yeah. if, if the XFL and the USFL, whatever it's called, uh, do have like some kind of Super Bowl in yeah. a way. I mean, if you think if you think back, that's exactly how the NFL was created. Yeah, it was two different AFL NFL. Yeah. yeah, so. It's very interesting. I do love their kickoff. I think that makes it for a more interesting return. Uh, that makes it for our teams actually returning the ball uh, because it's kicked from the 20-yard line, I think, or the 25-yard line uh, instead of the 35 where the NFL kicks it off now to avoid yeah. injuries. And I like what the XFL did to where the, the players cannot move until the, the catcher catches the ball. As soon as he catches the ball... Right. Free ball. The gunners aren't there meeting you as you catch it. And yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, exactly. And uh, right. potentially injuring you for life or something. Yeah. And, and so I think that could be a, a a really good strategy for for the NFL because I think they were saying that like over eighty percent of the kicks uh, of the kickoffs for the XFL in the first weekend were returned for uh for uh, were returned. And in the NFL, you're not even near that number. It, almost no, every no single one is a touchback. Yeah. So there's essentially no reason why I hold a kickoff in the NFL because it's essentially they're going to start in the It's 25. become a pleasantry. Yeah. That's what it's become. So I like what the XFL is doing, involving the kickoff more into the actual game. Yeah. Because I, I know a lot of people like the, the kickoff returns and all. You know what I mean? So I like how it involves it involves it again into the game. Absolutely. It plays into the game. Yeah. So I love, I love that uh, from the XFL. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, let's see. All right, let's go to basketball. Obviously, we saw Russell Westbrook's first game last night with the LA Clippers. Obviously, he was uh, he signed his what a release with the Utah Jazz and was able to sign with the Clippers. 
your thoughts on that? What like what does this bring for the Clippers? What does this do for the Clippers? Does it help them in any way? Does it hurt them? What are your thoughts? When it comes to Russell Westbrook, I've always said that he flourishes when the expectations are at their lowest. When he played with LeBron James, I thought that was a make-or-break moment for Russell Westbrook's career because I felt that if he rose to the occasion, they could win a title, and that would make Russell Westbrook an even more revered player because he's a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. But that would change the way people perceive him because one thing we know about Russell Westbrook is he's a one-speed guy, doesn't want to listen, doesn't want to learn, doesn't want to adapt. He just wants to play the way he plays, and because of that fact, he's always on the outside looking in when it comes to winning titles. He had a real opportunity to do that with LeBron James because we know if you play your role with LeBron, more than likely it's going to benefit you in the long run. You're going to win a title. You're going to have success. That's not what Russell Westbrook did. He chose to just continue to try to play like he's in 2015, 2016 when he was winning an MVP. And that's not the player he is anymore. He's not good enough to be that guy anymore. And so this trade, I don't want to bring the Lakers into it, but it did far more for them than it could ever do for the Clippers. The entire reason why he's with the Clippers is because of Paul George. Paul George specifically asked the Clippers to bring him. They were not interested. You can look this up. The Clippers did not want Russell Westbrook until Paul George said, I am him because he got me in OKC. We're friends. I want to play with him again. And they honored that. Outside of that, there was no interest. And the reason why is because Tyron Lue knows what I know. And it's that you cannot win a championship with Russell Westbrook because he refuses to change. This Clippers team is one of the four best teams in the entire Western Conference right now. They had a legitimate chance of getting to a championship. They don't now. Because Russell Westbrook is going to play meaningful minutes. He's going to be a starter on this team. And he will be one of the biggest reasons why they don't win and why they will fall short. Because he's going to kill their efficiency. He's going to kill their defense. He's going to kill every opportunity they had as a healthy presumed healthy team with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. If it had been Paul George and Kawhi Leonard healthy, that team would get to the Western Conference. Because that psychopath, I hate to say it that way, on the on the basketball field, on the basketball court, not in real life, great dude from what I hear, but on the basketball court, the dude's a psychopath. He does not know how to slow down. He does not know how to understand the game and let the game play itself out. That's why him and LeBron did not end up working out the way that they should have. That is going to be the demise of the Clippers, and then we're all going to be sitting here in two months from now and saying... Remember when we talked about this? That's how it's going to go for the Clippers. This will not benefit them. Will it be fun for a little bit? Yeah, because that Kings-Clippers game last night was fireworks. And Russell Westbrook was fun in that game. He looked like he was having a good time. You know why? Because no one's expecting the Clippers title anymore. Neither is Russell Westbrook. That's why he decided to go there to play with a friend. That's how it's going to end in a second-round exit. Well, you might want to tell that to J.J. Redick because I think he has them as his favorite coming out of the West. J.J. Um, Redick is tripping. Um well, and to, to quote J.J. Redick, also at the same time, uh, on the, uh, the Old Man in the Three, which is a great podcast, yeah. um, he's a bright guy, and I, I love his IQ of the game, um, one of the most well-spoken analysts in the game for, for basketball. Uh, he did say, which made a lot of sense, in which I actually was having the same thoughts before I even heard him say it, but he, he said it even better than I would. Uh, to kind of paraphrase, he was just talking about how the, the Clippers didn't really get better by adding Russell Westbrook. They, it was a neutral move because of um, what John Wall was to that team, a poor shooting point guard who's a fairly good facilitator um, and good with the ball in his hands, but very inefficient um, and a poor shooter. And they literally moved him and got the same guy in Russell Westbrook, who has a, maybe a little bit of better of motor and less injury prone, slightly. Um, 
But it's a, it's basically the same move. So the Clippers didn't get worse or better with Russ in my mind either. I, I agree with with JJ there. Um, I don't think he 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 moved the needle at all for me. Um, I think he. Oddly enough, move the needle in the, in the positive way for the Lakers, though. I do believe the him moving because him and I never liked the idea of him and LeBron together. I just didn't like it. They both play a similar game, obviously a much different efficiency level here. Uh, um, but like you said, if you play the role and you you fulfill a role and you do your role good with LeBron James led teams, you will have success. That's been proven over and over and over and over and over. Um, but he there there was no real role for Russ. His role was kind of like impeding on LeBron's role. Uh, and that's why they try to have him run the second unit, and that worked a little bit here and there. But his inefficiencies, and I love Russ. He's just not a winner when it comes to the biggest moments. He's just not, a dark cloud over him. Yeah, that's all. He's one hundred percent. The dude's average a triple double and has won an MVP in this league. I'm not knocking his overall resume at all. You can't. He's going to go down as one of the best to ever do it, especially at that position. Uh, one of the most athletic point guards of all time, maybe the most athletic point guard of all time. Um, so I'm not knocking him in any way. It's just when it comes to team sports. And not individuality, Russ struggles, man. He struggles to see the bigger picture of things and struggles to fit into a system and, and play as a, 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 a cumulat as a as a unit as a collective. He just struggles when it comes to those things. So that's why I think it, when I saw the Lakers play this recent game without him, even though D'Lo went down, they still beat the the you know the 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 Warriors um, who have been playing well without Steph. They still beat them and uh, and they look good. They look fast. They look more the ball's moving a lot better and. Um, I just think the Lakers were going to be better off without uh, without Russ. But Russ, addition to the Clippers, doesn't move the needle really at all um, as far as X's and O's goes, as far as the game goes, as far as his impact. I think it is simply because Paul George vouched for him. Um, he's a good facilitator. He had 14 assists last night against the Kings uh, and took the L. Um, um, and, 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 and I will say, though, their offense efficiency for the Clippers has been pretty bad this year. They're actually one of the worst offensive efficient uh, uh, teams in the league, and they just scored the second most points in the game all time. So... Um, I will say that he. I don't know if that was much about his impact or the lack of defense from the Kings, um, but either way, his he, he did impact the game by he fouled out last night, but he did impact. He had 14 assists, which is you know that you, you can't ask for much more than a guy from a guy like that. So, um, but for me, it just personally, it doesn't move the needle. It doesn't make them that much more of a contender for me. Uh, <coughs> yeah, it is what it is. Now that we've seen uh, Kyrie and uh, Luka Doncic played a, a few games with each other, is Kyrie the answer to help Luka get a ring? Absolutely not. I, I mean, maybe I'm mistaken here, but I feel like, you know when I when I pop on a movie on like Netflix or Hulu and I've seen it before? More than likely, I'd say there's a really good chance that it goes the same way it went the last time I saw that movie, right? You'd say that, right? You'd say that more likely it's like an alternative version that I didn't see, our alternate version. But unless that's the case, yeah, movies usually play out the same exact way. Kyrie Irving is a movie. And the thing about it is, is that Kyrie has proven to us that outside of LeBron James, as we were just talking, when he played his role with LeBron, he did what? He won a ring. He went to four straight NBA Finals. Outside of that, before LeBron and after on, it has all been the same. It was the same with LeBron. It was the same movie. They got to the finals every single time. But before and after, it's the same damn movie. He gets a chance to be the guy. It gets to his head. He starts getting loony outside of basketball. That starts to take over the focus. He burns the bridge. It burns the whole thing down. That is what happened with Boston. That is what happened with the New York, the, the Brooklyn Nets. 
Why in the world? You'd have to give me a, a specific reason as to why that's not going to be the exact same thing that happens here in Dallas. I understand that Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving are two of the most talented players in basketball. You know who else were the two most talented players in basketball? Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Oh, and James Harden was also there too. You remember that one time when uh, Kyrie Irving played with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Yeah, that also happened too. The man has played with Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. Luka Doncic is no exception. Luka Doncic is not going to lift Kyrie Irving out of the slums. That was LeBron James's job to do, and only LeBron James's job to do. I don't think Luka is capable of that because Luka is not at the place LeBron was when he did that. I think if LeBron was 22, 23 years old, I don't think he's pulling Kyrie Irving out of the slums like he did at 29, 30 years old when he did in 2016. It was a perfect scenario for him to do it. He, it was not good enough for Kyrie Irving. I have zero, zero faith this is going to work out in Dallas. In fact, I'm so confident in it, I'll call my shot now. This time next year, we're talking about Kyrie Irving and LeBron James in Los Angeles. This is not a this is not a long marriage in Dallas because it's not where Kyrie wanted to go in well, the beginning. It's only a one-year deal. Yeah, Joseph, well, they're talking about the contract extension that he might go with Dallas. It's not happening. He will be at Los Angeles, like wherever LeBron is playing, Kyrie will go there because that's where he wanted to go from the beginning. He learned his lesson. I will give him that credit. He did learn that, and he did talk about how he knew he squandered a great opportunity with LeBron James all those years ago. That's going to be reunited and reconfigured. In the meantime, though, it looks fun and all that other shit, but as I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the Mavericks have a losing record with Luka and Kyrie on the court together, or that's 500 or whatever it is. The fact is, you put them in a matchup in the playoffs, on paper... They look like a team that can get to the Western Conference Finals. I'm not betting on it because I don't think Kyrie can get out of his own way. Well, I had the Mavs in the finals this year in my preseason prediction, uh, and that was before Kyrie. So I actually like them more now with that added. If anybody's comparable to a young LeBron James outside of the, you know, minus some of the athleticism and the booming dunks, it's Luka Doncic. It's a and guy the defense. that – For sure. He's actually a sneaky good defender, but um, – he is a guy that gets the best out of most of his teammates, uh, similar to LeBron in that aspect. Um, so I do think if anybody could 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 kind of be that guy to kind of be that Batman would have uh, and and you know lead the way and kind of pull Kyrie back into the reality of what his role is. And it's that's kind of been the thing lately with those two guys. They've been playing really well together the last couple. Of, I know that they haven't contributed to a lot of wins yet. They haven't played a lot of games yet. But I do think actually this is a team I think that is a threat in the West. Um, I'm not saying they're going to go to the finals. I did say that at the beginning of the year, but it's still that's still my bet. Obviously, I'm sticking with that because that's that was my call, um, and things have changed. And I think for the better. I think Kyrie adds a, a layer to this offense that they never had before and haven't had since Luca's been this guy. They haven't had another guy that can go score like like Kyrie can and has the handle that Kyrie has. That another team has to worry about one on one. I think they're two arguably the greatest one-on-one ball players in the league right now between him and him and Luca. Those two guys are maybe the hardest guys to guard one-on-one outside of maybe Bob Morant or, or KD or something like that. Um, but I, I like, I like this move so far. I think it's working for them right now. I think it'll work as they progress and, and they, they get their chemistry down. Um, I think Luca is one of those guys similar to LeBron that will get the best out of his players and he'll find players. He'll build chemistry with players. He'll find his shooters in their pockets. Uh, uh and he finds a way to, to lead and, um, We've seen Luca be a shorthanded and going toe to toe with uh, Kawhi and Paul George in the Western Conference Finals, or Western Conference Finals, but the Western Conference playoffs twice. Obviously, he lost both those times, but I mean, his performances—if he had Kyrie in those games—I think they beat the Clippers in both those series. I don't. I think Kyrie. I think this is a better spot than Kyrie was with with the Boston Celtics. I think the the, the chemistry and the and the way that this team works with Luca leading the way is different than those teams were. Um, 
I think this is a similar situation too. Not not that Luca is LeBron, but the way that the the offenses ran, Luke facilitating and also being a, an absolutely dominant scorer and a guy that can go get a bucket at any time and score in many different ways. That 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 has a similar effect to I think what a LeBron James led team has. Can, can, I, can, I, can I say something real quick though? Because I don't want to be on this too long. Yeah, and I don't want to interrupt your take. But I, as time is going on, I'm becoming less and less inclined to compare Luca to LeBron. Because of the fact that, <clears throat> for one, LeBron is a significantly better athlete. He's a significantly better defender. I mean, you can look at the numbers. It's actually fair in Luca's favor, but yeah. But in what? I mean, as far the as... Athleticism? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the, the numbers. No, no. I, Statistically. You, 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 you hear what I addressed? He's already got way more triple doubles. He's had a... Trev, Trev you're, you're talking about somebody I didn't mention. I'm talking about athleticism and defense. Those are the two things I pointed out. Uh, also, also the fact that when it comes to... I was addressing that. No, you I'm saying I wasn't, that wasn't any of my take. It wasn't anything about no, athleticism no. or defense. I, I'm segmenting. I'm saying that the reason I'm not inclined to compare them anymore is because, sure, the numbers and stuff are – Luca's actually, at 23 years old, his numbers are better than LeBron's. Yeah. But here's the reason why I think that Luca's numbers are very inflated. And the reason why that is is because of all the players in the league right now, I think he's third in ISO – uh, plays and percentages. LeBron was never an ISO player. LeBron was a team guy that was working through picks, work off the ball, work off the dribble. That's not Luca's game. So Luca's on the team. He has way more. He's gonna have way more Tre triple doubles than LeBron. Trevor, I, I get it, but see, Russell Westbrook doubles than LeBron, LeBron James. Who's a better team player? Between who? LeBron and Russell Westbrook. LeBron. Right. What does that so to do what, with Luca? Triple doubles can be inflated, is what I'm saying. LeBron's triple doubles. Sixty point triple doubles. Trevor, I I get it. My point though is I'm not. This is a knock on Luca. I'm talking about it the comparison like between. No, no. The okay. comparison between the two. Yeah. I don't make Russell Westbrook and LeBron James comparisons. Well, that's why I made it clear in my take that there's differences between yeah, yeah. Luca and, and LeBron. So, but I'm saying the impact of LeBron and Luca are pretty similar. I, I, mean, I disagree because, because the they're both very team centric. I, I disagree though because of the fact that at 22 years old, LeBron already got to the finals with a Bro. far inferior team. That's why I, I know there's differences there, but I mean, and so, the talent pool right now is insane in the West for. I know I, I get it, but let's not pretend like LeBron, LeBron didn't go to a, through a team that went to four straight Eastern Conference Finals as the Pistons. So Those my Pistons teams will not be that good this year. I, know, I, I, know, I definitely think there's an era thing. My, yes. my point, though, is is that when it comes to the whole making it work with Kyrie, the reason why it works for Kyrie and LeBron is because, one, they had a full season together to start that year, right? And I don't think they didn't win a title to the next season. Right. It was 2016. Also the they fact that LeBron works with an ISO player. We saw with D-Wade. D-Wade yeah. was an ISO player. Yeah. LeBron, uh, 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 Kyrie Irving's an ISO player, and AD tries to be an ISO player, and he's not, yeah. but he tries to be. Luka is such a significant ISO player that I don't think he can work with another significant ISO player. LeBron and Luka, that's where they divide. LeBron is not an ISO player. Luka is a significant, exclusive ISO player. Kyrie is, an, obviously, that's all he is as well as an ISO player. He can right. be a catch-and-shoot guy, too, as well, but I will that's say That's why this, it worked with LeBron. But this is why Le the LeBron similarity still sticks for me, though, because Luka demands double teams a lot of times, and he's very good at driving and dishing out to the three-point shooters and dishing oh, out significant to guys and creating, yeah, yeah, yeah. creating shots for other guys, just like sure. LeBron. That's why Kyrie and Kevin Love thrive with LeBron. Why Chris Bosh and D-Wade thrive with LeBron, because he got he garnered so much attention. LeBron wasn't. Let's not act like LeBron wasn't some kind of ISO guy. We talking about when he'll 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 get the one on one matchup. He'll tell everybody clear out. 
on that's certain plays, situationally. But you know, Chuck, because you watch even more games than I do than of the Mavericks. Of course. You know as well as I do. The entire possession, on more times than not, is Luka dry, going up to the court, sitting in that little corner area, waiting for one pick, runs through, pick, pops, does whatever he does. LeBron, LeBron did that hold a on. Ton, no, no, no. We, you and I have watched 20 years of LeBron James. He is consistent in his approach. There are moments in games that he does that. But we've seen a lot of times LeBron will run up to the corner, slash to the bucket, set a pick, slash to the bucket, set a pick, roll to the outside, hit a three. There's been many times Mario Chalmers would be running the offense. Yeah. There's many times the guys on the Cavs would be running, Kyrie Irving would be running the offense. LeBron didn't need the ball to be effective. We've yet to see Luka be an off-ball player in his entire career. Right. We've yet to see him right. be an off-ball player. LeBron has like some of the highest usage rates of all time. But it's not the most. Nikola Jokic, James Harden, but Russell Westbrook, Luka Doncic are all significantly higher in their career usage percentage. Yeah, LeBron has we all know the, Bron the ball's on LeBron's hands. I get that because he's usually the best player. My point, though, is that happens for every, every great player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm saying, though, is we've seen LeBron be a championship player with an ISO player. We've yet to see Luka, as an ISO player, lead his team to a championship. Well, he, this is his first chance. This is what I'm saying. This is his first... Yeah, okay. What other ISO okay. elite skill player has he had alongside him? He hasn't had one yet. This is his first chance to have a Kyrie the, Irving. Their skill sets are so similar in how much they demand the ball. Oh, dude, their skill sets couldn't be more different. No, I'm saying how much they demand the ball. I didn't say just skill set. I'm saying the way they both have to have the ball to be effective because Kyrie's not an effective player without the ball. That's not even debatable. Luka is one of the most centralistic players in the league yeah, when it but, comes to the ball. But that helps my point, though, because Luka is very similar to creating other shots. Don't they shots. cancel each other out? No, but you can say the same thing about LeBron, because LeBron was very good about creating shots for other guys. Luka's the same way. Even when, even in the post. If he's posting, they're gonna, he's going to demand, because he can drop back and hit that fadeaway. He can, he can shoot the three. He can hit that step back three, that is his, the, the cadence that he has. You can't guard it. I think it's similar. This is his, I mean, listen, this could absolutely fail. This could absolutely fail Kyrie, and Kyrie could be the guy to reason to fail, or it could just fail just the way it does. It's never going to mesh. Yeah. But th this is for me. I'm giving Luka the opportunity to kind of show that he can have that other star score. He hasn't had that. Yeah. Porzingis was the closest thing to being another really good scorer for this team. He hasn't had another guy. Yeah. You know, he's had nothing but 3 and D guys. That's what I'm saying. Like a, a star player with Luka could absolutely work. Yeah. I'm talking about the style of a star player. Like if he had a Clay Thompson, yeah. they would roll. Those dudes would Catch roll the league. Guys. Oh my god! Yeah. A dude that doesn't need the ball, a Chris Middleton. I know he's. I know I'm saying star loosely, but I'm saying like a guy in that tier, like a Clay Thompson, lower tier, Chris Middleton, lower tier, Bogdanovich, yeah. guys like that. And that that is where I will give you the LeBron James comparison because guys like that work with like LeBron and Luca so well because they can just stand on the side, wait for the ball to come to him, and they can just drop threes. It, for me, Kyrie's for me, not that guy. Yeah, for me, the 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 comparison between and we can end this. The, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. the comparison between Luca and, and LeBron for me is strictly offensively. Okay, and, and not obviously there's athleticism, there's there's defensive prowess. Obviously LeBron was an elite defensive for, yes. player for years. No one, one ever wanted to give him that credit. But he can guard all five positions. Luka cannot do that. Right. Um, but I say as far as the impact offensively and creating shots for other guys, demanding double, triple teams at times, and and Luka being the better three point shooter in my mind. Uh, uh, as far as this young, he's going to get better. Oh, LeBron? He, oh, God, yeah. Yes, yeah, I'm saying. This young. Oh, God, and, yes. and Demanding players to guard him at the perimeter. LeBron didn't always demand that. I remember there was a span where there were, where teams would let LeBron shoot threes um, and just, you know, pack the paint and not let him drive. Luka can score from everywhere on the floor, and I think he's a, his ability. I just want to see how this plays out. Uh, with him having another elite score at a guard position, a guy that can go, you know, he could Luca could take a possession off, and, and I Kyrie could go ISO if he wants to. 
But, I, I, yeah, I'm interested to see how this plays out. It could definitely go south. Obviously, we've seen the track record of Kyrie Irving doing that, LeBron being the only guy that can truly get the best out of him. But I do think there are similarities as far as a guy that truly wants to win and Luka Doncic, a guy that truly wants to see his teammates win and create opportunities for his teammates. Because as, as much of an ISO player you want to say Luka is, he is at, at lo a lot of the times, but he's a very selfless guy, though. He likes to, he likes to create shots. and he's a, he's a passer. That's what he is. He likes to create shots. He has that year flair to his passing game. And he likes to do those kinds of things. So that's why an ISO guy like him is can 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 win titles. Mm -hmm. I just don't think with another ISO superstar next to him. I think it has to be guys that are effective and are great without the ball. Yeah, I really that's what I'm saying. Like Kevin Durant is great without the ball. Dude sets screens. Dude can run over on the corner and wait for a pick and pop. There's all kinds of things Kevin Durant can do. That's what makes him great. He doesn't need the ball always in his hands. That's why if Kyrie was to ever win a title with anybody else outside of LeBron James, KD. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just don't think the Luka-Kyrie thing is going to work. I'm just taking the wait, I guess, the wait-and-see approach with this. Sure. Yeah. Talk about the new, uh, new look, a new version of the Lakers. I absolutely love this. I, I, I don't want to sound like the guy that's saying they're going to hold, hold the Larry O'Brien at the end of the year. I don't believe that. I don't think I still don't think they're good enough to win the title. This team, though, could get to the Western Conference Finals. I don't say that lightly as the fact that the Western Conference, as we were just talking about with the Mavericks, is as wide open. Like The yeah. Lakers have a legitimate chance here to really all of a sudden go, whoa, whoa, whoa. This team was the 12 seed. They're in the West Conference Finals. Like, this is the kind of thing, and it's so on brand. Because LeBron did the same exact thing in 2018 with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They were like the fifth Man. seed. No five seed had made finals in like 28 fun. years. And he, what's he do? Reconstruct the whole team midseason, just like this. They went and got all these dudes in the like right at the trade deadline in 2018, and they went to the freaking finals. Yeah. Now, 2018 LeBron is better than this LeBron. Bro. This LeBron though was still really, Maybe really the good. Best LeBron. That was that it's was the best player I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But this LeBron with Anthony Davis, if and this is a massive ass if, yeah. can just stay healthy enough with this shooting. This is the recipe that got LeBron to ten finals in eleven years. This is the recipe. I'm sorry, nine and ten years. This is the recipe. Have guys like Malik, like uh, um. Malik Beasley, Beasley yep. they can knock shots down. D'Lo can knock shots down. Guys like that, they can spread the court. I'm telling you right now, Eddie, I said it about Kyrie Irving. He goes to the Lakers. I think that team goes to the finals. I'm not as confident as this team with that because I think Kyrie and LeBron are incredibly simpatico with AD in the mix. This isn't as superstar heavy, as laden as that would have been. But this team, all cylinders hitting, is in the Western Conference Finals. I think this is the team that can beat the Nuggets in the first round. Oh, yeah. And I say that confidently. I know, I agree. I think this could be. I think this team could beat any team in the Western Conference in a seven-game series. Will they? That's the question to be asked. Yeah. But I do think they could beat any team in the Western Conference. That's a mixture of what this team can do and what they're capable of, and what the Western Conference is that's currently stated. It is not good enough to say that LeBron James can't make a run because, as we know, anything he's the most successful player in playoff history when it comes to individuality. I can see this team making a run. Yeah, and if if the Lakers got to win games first of all. Yes, they, and they, they have been three zero. It's, it's a tight race right now, but they got to they got to win some games. Uh, but I, from what I saw, and I watched the debut of these guys, Adilo and, and Malik Beasley, who I think might be the best pickup out 
I think Boy. As, cra- as crazy as that sounds, because D'Lo is an incredibly gifted iso isolation offensive scorer, a guy that can just go get a bucket at any. Somebody they needed. They needed an a guy iso that can guy. score from any, nice any point on the floor. Yeah. Is a deadly scorer. He's always always has been. He's been a confident cat since he was young, um, and he's matured a lot over the years. So I love that pickup. And I think Malik Beasley, the, he's the, he's a LeBron kind of guy. He's the he's the uh, 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 um, the catch and shoot, the uh, the three and D kind of guy that have always thrived in LeBron James's led offense. Um, you know, so the the Shane Battiers, you know, guys like that. Those kind of guys uh, uh, are just driving the system. And he was on fire the other night when they when they won that game against the the, um, the Golden State Warriors. So if they can get this chemistry down, Hachimura was kind of fitting in that system a little more. Now that he's kind of been around a little longer, uh, and getting him going is good too. He's a good mid range shooter, a good guy that can get to the bucket, a uh, very versatile player. And then Vanderbilt obviously was another really good pickup for them as well, man. A guy, that, a three and D guy that can shoot the three and is long and, and tall. Uh, Mobamba, good rim protector, a guy that can also shoot the three of his size is crazy enough as that is too. Um, some little bit of AD uh, security there, I think. Um, uh, safety blanket there for uh, just in case AD does miss a little bit more time, which is possible. But Mo Bamba is a very versatile big, uh, good defender as well. So I think they they got the good depth in this in, in, uh, in these moves, and I think they uh, speed too. D'Lo and guys like Malik Beasley can run the floor really really well, push the offensive pace, uh, and I saw that against the Warriors this recent game. So that that's a big deal. Uh, um, and getting LeBron James kind of giving you see that second win. LeBron's been doing nothing but absolutely just. Destroy. He didn't score. He only had like 15 points this last game, which is like broke his streak for like 20 point games. Uh, that record, or whatever he was, he had going for the longest time. Um, but um, yeah, I think this is going to give this team some juice. I think they're a very confident bunch, um, and I like. I just like the attitude. You know, it's 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 a kind of a selfless basketball team right now at this point. Uh, I didn't never. I think moving on from Russell Westbrook was the move, man. I just it wasn't working. It just wasn't working. Uh, him and LeBron James, LeBron James games just did not mesh. Uh, and him running the second core uh, off the bench just wasn't working either. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, <coughs> I got to see them win. I got to see them consistently win games, and they got to get at least into the play in. Uh, but I, I will say though, man, if they do, if they're the last seed in the playoffs, and they do meet the one seed, which is most likely going to be the Nuggets. I'm putting my money in the Lakers. I, I just, I've seen too much of the Nuggets, and I've seen too much of LeBron James in the postseason to know what goes on. And one game is one game in the regular season, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, a five- to seven-game series, that's a whole other thing. You've got to face LeBron James that many times in a row, good luck. Um, and as long as AD is healthy, this team's healthy, and these guys are hitting their shots when LeBron James is to them, that's a, that's a tough formula to beat. And it's been a proven formula over the years. And, uh, yeah, I like the moves, man, and it's done nothing but make this team better. All right, let's let's see. Okay, a couple more questions, and then we can move on. Uh, first, we'll go with uh, Jake Paul and uh, Tommy Fury mm. this weekend. I think it's tomorrow, actually. Yep. Uh, I think the weigh-in's today. Uh, now he's fighting a real boxer. Thoughts? And now Jake Paul's going to lose for the first time in his career. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to stand until he. T- I've said this, and I've I've been very fair to Jake Paul. I've said all along that I will gladly, gladly anoint this man as a legitimate boxer, a legit threat for a title, if he can actually go in there and beat people that are of the ilk. He's yet to do that. Has he beaten names? Sure. A lot of old has been broke down MMA fighters, celebrities, fun stuff. Real cute. It's been entertaining. Now you're fighting somebody that has been born into this shit. I'm not saying that Tommy Fury's some badass. 
I'm not saying that he's some guy that you're going to have to pay attention to for the next 10 years as a, as a legitimate title. What I am saying, though, is this guy has actually been born and bred into the world of boxing. This is somebody that's going to come in here and know what the hell he's doing. Who's also the same age as Jake Paul, I might add, not 15 years older than him. That hasn't, you know, had 39, 40 bouts before fighting Jake Paul for a nice payday. This isn't a YouTube experiment. And unless this fight's fixed, Fury's going to win this fight. I'm not saying that he's going to knock him out. I'm not saying he's going to dominate him. What I am going to say, though, is this is going to be the toughest challenge of, of uh, Jake Paul's career. And it's going to really show if he can withstand what, a, what an actual legitimate boxer can do. And I don't think he can right now, but I'm willing to be proven wrong. But I'm going to take, I'm taking Tommy Fury and I'm taking him very confidently. Yeah, I, uh, I never bet against Jake Paul in these fights. I haven't yet um, until now. Um, this, this, this one feels like this is going to be the biggest challenge. Not only the biggest challenge, but I, I just a better fighter is Tommy Fury. I mean, he's a, he's a, he comes from a boxing family. They, they breed these guys. You know, this is what they do. Um, this one just feels a little different as far as, uh, how this is going into this fight with with Jake Paul and his 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 mannerisms and the way he's holding himself. This one just feels a little different. I think he's a little more nervous about this one, and as he should be. I mean, this is gonna be the best pure boxer he's fought. The yet. only right. pure boxer. So yeah, well yeah. I mean, a lot of the guys he's fought have have had boxing backgrounds, and they were good fighters in their in their category uh, as far as mixed martial arts and things like that. Um, <clears throat> but. Yeah, Tommy Fury is a legitimate boxer. We could talk about the competition that Tommy Fury has his his has beaten his in his career so far too. Um, but those guys were all boxers. Those guys that he beat that were not so good record wise were all boxers. You know, what I mean, they're all guys that were actually in that sport and that they did was was they were boxers. Jake Paul hasn't done any has fought anybody like that yet. Um, so. Tommy Fury is a legitimately skilled boxer. You can go watch his tape. You can go watch his fights. Granted, you can talk about, it. like I said, the, the competition he's faced. That doesn't really matter to me as much. It's, his competition completely outweighs Jake Paul's. This is what I'm saying. So, and, and, I'm not, I'm not, and that's not to listen. I'm, and I know Jake Paul is fucking annoying, and I kind of like it because it's fun <clears> and it's entertaining. And he's annoying. He's a YouTuber, Disney kid. Um, just annoying in itself to see him just kind of do whatever he wants and just kind of he's so rich and wealthy he can just decide to become a boxer and have the best training guys that he wants. That's annoying sometimes. It is what it is, but he, he is what he is, and he's he's an athlete. I will give him that. Him and his brother both are really good athletes. Those guys train hard. Their guys are in incredible shape. But but there's just a difference when you spent your whole life doing this. That's not what Jake Paul has done. Uh, the Fury uh, Tyson uh, Tyson Fury, the whole bloodline, the whole you know all these guys, that whole family. This is what they've done. Right. This is all they've done. You know, this, as kids and growing up, and they breed. Like I said, they breed these guys. So Tommy, I, I believe, is the better boxer. I think he's the, he's, this, is, this is what he does. He, he lives and breathes this shit. Uh, and I expect Tommy Fury to win. This is the first time I'm going to bet against Jake Paul. I'd like to know who Eddie's picking. <coughs> I'm picking uh, Jake Paul in this. I think, I think he's proven they, that he can withstand. I think if he fought Canelo, you'd pick Jake Paul. Yes. How's, how's he proven 100%. that? 100%. How's he proven that? Man. Huh? How has he proven that? He's boxed people. Who? Before. Yeah, people. <laughs> what boxers? That's still boxing. No. I'm not going to act like Jake Paul can't win this fight. No, it, boxing boxers is what makes this fight so paramount. You do understand that. Like, if look at it like this. We always talk about the boxing comparisons of eras and how, like, Camacho just, like, ran through all those horrific fighters. That's why he had all those wins. But you would agree that if he'd fought better boxers, his record wouldn't have been nowhere near what it was. Right? Okay, but those were actual boxers. 
So when we're talking about Jake Paul in comparison to guys like Tommy Fury, it's a significant difference. So what has Jake Paul done to prove that he's going to be able to withstand this? He hasn't. That's a fair that's a fair assertion because he's done nothing to prove that he can beat a legitimate boxer. You pretend like MMA fighters don't know how to. I didn't say that, but those are MMA fighters, and those guys are in their 40s and 50s. Anderson Silva has been out of his prime for a decade. You do realize that. And that was in his field. You do realize he beat a boxer, though, right? Eddie, again, Anderson Silva is great at his craft, but he is far from what he once was, and that was in a different fighting uh, category. It's a different sport. It'd be one thing if Anderson Silva was like a 38-year-old boxer that just retired or something, then I could say, you know what? That Jake Paul, him beating Anderson Silva, that meant that, that actually... Even, even Mike Tyson. You put Mike Tyson in that ring. I'm taking Mike Tyson all day, even as old as he is. I'm picking him to beat Jake Oh, Paul. are you fucking kidding? That's of course I would. Yes. So, like, <laughs> can, can you imagine Jake Paul <laughs> taking a punch from Mike Tyson? Oh. Probably fucking... would kill him, dude. Like, he's Mike Tyson never... was still a killer, Look, bro. <laughs> Woodley was on his way out already in, in MMA. He lost, like, three of his last four fights. Even more than that, I think. Uh, and he was getting destroyed. Uh, by Colby Covington, He's for Christ's sake. Like, right. what, I, what I'm saying is, I don't want to be the guy that sits here and downplays what, what Jake Paul can do. Got, but what I am going to be, but who I'm going to be, is the guy that downplays what he has done. If he can beat a boxer, I'm not going to sit here and go, nope, not legit. Yeah, if he, he beats out. boxers, I'm going to go, yeah, this guy's beat. legit. I've yeah. been saying this all along. But he's yet to do that. If he goes up there and beats Tommy Fury, you know what I'm doing? Jake Paul just won an actual fight, guys. He's a boxer. He's not a boxer yet because he has not beaten boxers. I can go outside right now and get in a fight with a bunch of dudes. I'm not Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal became Jorge Masvidal because he worked his way from the streets to the MMA. That's what made him who he was. And he won in the MMA. Kimbo Slice was a sideshow act until he went to the MMA. Then he was legitimized. Brock Lesnar was a wrestler, literally and figuratively, until he went to the MMA and won a title. Then he became a legitimate fighter. Jake Paul has to beat legitimate boxers to become a legitimate boxer. So this is his chance. You're picking Jake Paul. You're gonna you're, oh, you're legitimate yourself. Okay. Come on, we watch this together. I'm kind of nice, Eddie. Gonna knock him out. Yeah, Sunday's tomorrow night, baby. <laughs> knock him out. Knock him out. Yeah. Oh hell oh, yeah! Shit. Okay, let's go. Hey, hell yeah! I, 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 Clip. I, I'm not gonna lie. Bro. Jake Paul has legitimate boxing knockout power, though. Yes. His power is legit. I won't argue with that. That dude. That dude can. Some, that dude can throw him. He's got some pent up rage in there let's from the see, Disney let's, days. Let's see though. Let's see when he hits Tommy and Tommy keeps coming at him because that's not something he's faced yet. Well, Tommy's when he's smart. when he's hitting people with those cement bricks, they're like, oh fuck, and they like fall back. If Tommy keeps coming, like yeah. fuck, dude, and then guys like. Power punchers like uh, Jake start to wear down. Well, start to wear this down. Is, this is why I think it's a bad matchup for him because yeah. Tommy's way more skilled. Tommy's going to be able to keep his distance and, and, and bob and weave. And, and I, he has knockout power. Yeah, yeah, That's course, another thing you got to remember. He can catch Jake Paul just easily. We've yet to see Jake Paul take a massive punch from a knockout artist. And mine. Yeah. He was yeah he, he the so closest good. the closest to the closest to was Anderson Silva and Anderson Silva's never been a knockout guy. exactly Anderson well he, Silva he was but it, it was against guys that were like 185 pounds yeah. and this was in the MMA again in like 2009 2010 yeah. Yeah. like this was a, a lifetime actually, ago. Jake Paul Jake, Jake Paul wasn't even on YouTube yet at that time yeah all right UFC 285 there's two uh, two championship <clears throat> fights in this card. The first is the women's flyweight division uh, with Valentina Chevchenko, who I believe is a champion, fighting Alexa Grasso. Hopefully you guys made uh, study a little bit of UFC. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, see, okay. So, 
Chevchenko, is that's how you say your name, right? Chevchenko. Chevchenko is the better fighter in this fight, in my opinion. Uh, I don't even know. Have you seen, have you seen the um, odds on these yet? Mm -mm. So, uh, I know Chevchenko has 23 wins to three losses. Grosso has 15 wins to three losses. So, Chevchenko has been more of the um, experienced fighter. She also has uh, a little bit of a reach advantage. She is five years older, but they're almost the exact same size and height and weight. So this this fight is I would say as about as even as it gets for um for a woman's fight in this in this uh, uh category. What's her name called out uh, Chevchenko whoever won this fight. I remember she said that in the last card last week. But I'm I'm going to go with experience in this one. I think Chevchenko's ability to uh own the own the octagon, she's very good at ground control. I think that her ability to create on the ground, be able to land significant strikes. I think her last two fights, she won by TKO, if I'm not mistaken. I think that Chevchenko is is um, is the more proven commodity at this point, even though Grasso, like I said, only has three losses, 15 wins. I think that she's going to be the one that advances. And if I'm not mistaken, she has the belt, right? Chevchenko is a minus 6.25. Good God. So, so yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take Chevchenko. Needless to say, I'm taking... I was already going to take her. I didn't know the odds, though. Yeah. I'm going to take Chevchenko and I'm going to take her comfortably. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Alexa Grasso is a hell of a fighter, though, man. She is, she's been one that's kind of been up and coming. You know, the uh, the Italian native and, you know, just the uh, – I mean, but I just think there's – I mean, match we all know. Matchups make fights, man. Yeah. And this is, um, is going to be a good matchup. I do think they're both good strikers. They're both good on the ground. Yeah, this is uh, as even as any Shevchenko fight's been in a while. Yeah, yeah, but I think this is where experience kind of comes into play here right. too. And then uh, you, you got to take out the champ. You know what I mean? And um, that's just how it always is. You can't let this go to the judges. If she wants to win, she needs to submit her or possibly knock her out, which is not something we see often in female fights and not a lot of knockouts just because of a power difference there. Um, but if she wants to win, she's going to have to make it an overwhelming <coughs> overwhelming strike difference, overwhelming significant strike difference, overwhelming uh, 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 you know, control time difference, takedowns, et cetera, um, to, to take out the champ. Um, and I'm telling you, man, them Chevs and the Mayavs, there's just men or women. The Chevs and the Mayavs, bro, they just are different. Um, so a minus 625 is a pretty hefty, hefty favorite. So if you want to make some money, bet on, on Grasso. That's, I mean, that's that's plus 450, bro. You could damn near double your money. Or, you no, more than double your money. Excuse me. That's that's some good money there. If you put, Even if you put 50 down, make some de decent bank there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm picking Chev here. Uh, I always go pretty much with the Chevs and Mives any chance I get. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm going with the champ here. Not, 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 a, not a question for me, man. Uh, then we're going uh, John Bon Jones versus Saragon. You guys, you guys know my uh, my bitterness towards my 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 scorned my my favorite fighter of all time and John Jones and, and I'm not gonna go down the list again, but let's just say that I'm happy he's back in the octagon again for the first time in three years. Um, I would have loved to see what he could have done in these last three years, but he's back. Sorrell gone at 11 and one is taking on Bone Jones, who's never had a legitimate loss in his career. Uh, he had that one disqualification. I think he poked somebody in the eye years and years into, early into his career and got a disqualification, but he's never actually Bullshit, lost. Man. He's actually 20, he should be 26, 27 and 0. <clears throat> Losing being out of the being out of the octagon for a long period of time can really affect somebody and can really slow them down. 
make them the inferior fighter, staying in the ring like Zerol Gan has, fighting the best of the best continuously. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, it, it, a drug. Being being you know Sorogon taking losses like he did against Francis Ngannou when he was dominated can humiliate him and motivate him to take on the the challenge of fading, facing a Bones Jones like this. Being the underdog, it's a slight underdog right now. I think he's like a plus one sixty five, so it's pretty much a pick him. Uh, gives a lot of advantages to Sorogon, but John Bones Jones is the goat, sir, and he's back. As much as I've been upset with him, as much as I have been. I'm never going to get over what he's done and how he's wasted so much of his career, which is the greatest career in the history of the UFC. I would be a fool to pick this to pick against him until he shows me that he no longer has it. Has he wasted it? Yep. But do I think it's still there for him to access when he needs it? Yep. Which is why he's going to beat Sorrel Gone. He's going to beat him by unanimous decision. This is going to go to the distance. This is going to test John because John's going to have to take on about, I think he has to up his weight by 40 pounds because he was he's usually around like 205, 210. He's a light heavyweight. And Sorrell's like 245, 250. That boy can move. Man. And he's athletic as hell. He's got great kicks. But John Bones Jones does not have a single weakness in his, in his, in his fighting style and his approach. All the weapons capable. And I think John Bones Jones has the motivating factor in place of, I'm going to show the world what I once was and what I still am because I do think a lot of the you like young blood like new UFC fans kind of forgot who or maybe don't even know what Bones Jones was 10 years ago but they're about to find out I think Bones is going to come in here and, and really even shock me a guy that's watched every single fight of his career He's going to go in here and beat a an 11 and 1 fighter by unanimous decision. I think he's going to outstrike Sorelgon. I think he's going to have more takedowns. I think he's going to have zero I think he's going to be taken down zero times. I don't think Sorelgon's going to get any true big time hits on him. Could we see some rust? Maybe. But Bones Jones is the best who's ever done it. He's going to show the world that again. I'm picking Bones Jones by unanimous decision. Yeah, um he he's been out of the game for a while. Um but he hasn't been entirely out of the game this guy has been if anybody follows john jones on social media over the years he's been out as i have this guy has been in the lab this guy has honestly been preparing for francis Ngano. so he's been putting on nothing but muscle mass and he's been strength training and he's been cage fighting and and, and training with his crew uh uh even in the lab he, this is this guy stays active this guy has not stopped since he hasn't been in the actual ufc fighting uh, but the guy's done nothing but work and work and work. Uh, every day I see videos and, and all his stories and everything. He's the videos he's posting of his training uh, regimen. The guy is just a freak. This is what this guy lives for. This is what he lives and breathes. And him and his whole family. This is whole these guys are just athletes. These guys are um, just <laughs> incredible human beings. Um, he's made his, his mistakes for sure. Um, but there's no denying who this guy is in the octagon, man. The greatest I've ever seen. The most unpredictable. The most fierce. Everything, man. You 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 build similar to LeBron James. You want to build a a, 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 a basketball player, an NBA player. You build LeBron James. Yep. The guy can do everything. You want to build a UFC mixed martial arts warrior. You build John Jones. The guy's length, the guy's strength, the guy's ability, his speed, his defense. Everything about this guy is just the epitome of what it is, um, of what this sport is, and what it embodies. Um, so. I think I think this game I think this fight is going to be decided uh, by a TKO. I don't think it's going to go the distance. I think this fight will be stopped in favor of John Jones. Um, Cyril Gon is a, an absolute stud. I'm actually a big Cyril Gon fan. I enjoy him. I like him. He's he's fun to watch. 
interesting guy. Has massive knockout power. Is an incredible. Uh, uh, has incredible combinations with throwing kicks and immediately following up with, with, with a haymaker. Uh, is able to take people down. Is good on the ground as well. Heavy big guy can dominate. But this is John Jones, man. This is like Lance said. This is the greatest to ever do it, uh, pound for pound for sure. Um, so I'm picking John Jones in this as well. He's not a massive favorite. Uh, he is a minus 165, which is a decent favorite, which is a pretty normal favorite. Um, but he's not a massive favorite. I mean, so this is a, a fight going in. I think the betters are looking at it as a pretty pretty good matchup, which it is. Skill set wise, for sure it is. These guys both can can throw and, and, and mix up things and, and both can knock each other out for sure. Uh, uh, but John Jones is just not a guy that gets roughed up much. Not a, he's very good at avoiding uh, hits. And Sorogon likes to uh, knock guys out, likes to get them roughed up, likes to get them down on the ground. And all of those things work in the favor of John Jones because that's what he wants you to do. If you are going to be the aggressor and you're going to come at John Jones, he's gonna, you're going to lose. Yep. And that's what Sorogon likes to do. This is why Gufferson was such a tough matchup for John Jones because he had a similar skill set to John Jones as far as what they want the opponent to do. They both were sizing each up out the the whole time and trading blows, countering each other's hits. That's what made that matchup so incredible. But Sorogon's going to want to go out there and try to knock out John Jones. He's going to want to try to take down John Jones. He's not going to be able to do either one of those. Uh, and John Jones is going to effectively counter all his all those things. He, he might get him here and there. He might get him phased a little bit a couple times. That's just my respect for Sorogon. But John Jones is going to win this fight by TKO. Mm. Nice. I also got John Bowe Jones winning. Nice. Uh, last question. Uh, Last uh, I know we kind of talked about it last week, but we really didn't focus on, on like, what could happen. What do you see happening? And that's uh, EB to the Commanders. Uh, what what does this mean for the Commanders going forward? Uh, what does EB bring to the to the Commanders that they don't have right now? Well, the best the best uh, offensive coordinator they've had since Kyle Shanahan. That's what it means. Uh, this is. This is a man that's going to come in here and demand the attention, the audience of his players. And if you've seen anything from like guys like Terry McLaurin, who's a proven star receiver in this league, he idolizes EB. He walked right up to him and he had the big eyes. Oh hey man, oh my, we're really do this, you know? Like you could see the excitement. That's not something that this team's had over the last few years. EB's demanding. He has that. He has a presence to him, and this is why it was always so confusing. When people try to theorize that he can't uh, interview well. If anything we know about Eric Bieniemy is this man can articulate a thought. This man can tell you how he feels and you understand exactly where he stands. So I never bought that notion. I never bought that that theory. And I, again, I think that what he's bringing is conviction. He's bringing integrity. He's bringing substance to this commander's team. Could, could they still be a bad offense? Yeah. But I don't think they're going to be. I think that he's going to get the most out of whoever the quarterback is. And I think because of the, the natural talent they have on offense, I think you're going to see a, a, an up, upswing for their those, offense. Those running backs for sure. And I think Eric Bini is finally going to start getting the respect he's been long overdue to get. I understand that having Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes on your team can help you know, negate what you've done as an OC, but we can't forget and nor can we downplay what he did for the previous five years before Patrick Holmes got there. And that was help improve the, li the, li the livelihood and career of Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware, and all those other running backs that had success here in Kansas City in those previous five seasons. That was Eric Bia's doing. So he's bringing a lot to that team, and I hope that Commanders fans are excited because they should be. Well, and the way he addressed uh, the Shady McCoy comments was are absolute nonsense 
Uh, he was just salty as shit. The way he addressed those and the way he put those to bed in the most head coach way was incredible. So, I mean, he's a, a very, like you said, a very well-spoken guy, uh, a guy that demands a locker room, a guy that has the respect amongst his peers, and a guy that has the respect amongst his, the players that have for him. Um, couldn't be happier for him. Um, I do like the fact that this is it's being called an assistant head coach position alongside the OC. So it's like a little bit more. It's it's more than a lateral move. Um, so I'm hoping this gives him the trajectory to becoming head coach uh, within the next couple coming seasons. Uh, but yeah, I think I think he's going to do well. I mean, Washington isn't the best spot, but there are some good young talent around that in that rock. Uh, they, once they figure out the quarterback position, uh, I think they'll be in good hands, and I think they'll be a solid team because that defense, I believe, is ready to go. Uh, and they have offensive weapons on that team that are ready to go as well. They just need to find someone who can deliver the the game plan at quarterback. So um, if they figure all that out, if they if they figure out who's going to be throwing the ball uh, and calling the plays, I think they'll be in good hands. Eric Bieniemy is a hell of a coach, and I think he's going to show that this next season. And that's it for the Eddie Hour. We appreciate the Eddie Hour, man. That's my favorite segment every single week. We go across the sports landscape, and we get some thoughts out there with what we think is going on outside of the NFL most times and outside of the, the Chiefs realm, if you will. We kind of break from that, and we get to the other sports out there that I know a lot of you guys are interested in as well. So thank you for that, Eddie. We have one more order of business to get to, guys. What is it called? Hold, Hold this L. L. Each and every week, we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether those in the world of sports are friendly L's or not so friendly L's in the world of sports, we promise you, who is ever holding the L's in the world of sports deserve those L's in the world of sports. Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, I'll throw it right back to you. Who's holding the L for you this week, and why is it F1? Not F1. I, I should do F1, but it's for, for next weekend. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it to Russell Wilson this weekend. Man, he took a, a massive <laughs> massive L this past couple of days uh, with reports. I'm going to say reports because it is – it, obviously, we don't know if it's true or not. It's come from multiple sources, uh, about reliable him, ones. I, about him uh, wanting to fire uh, the GM and obviously Pete Carroll out of uh, Seattle. Obviously, the GM and Pete, I guess, caught wind of this or whatever it was. And he eventually ended up getting traded uh, to the Broncos. And obviously, we know how that worked out last season. But he came out. Obviously, he posted a, 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 a tweet. He was like, I love Pete, and he was a father figure to me. And John believed in me and drafted me as well. I never want them. I never wanted them fire. All any of us wanted was to win. I'll, I'll always have uh, respect for them and love for Seattle. I call that complete bullshit. I, I mean, I don't. I don't see the honesty out of that, uh, especially him when he comes to a new team. Not only. I guess you could say demands an office uh, right next to the head coaches or whatever to the coaches up in the second floor as to what reports are saying. An open door policy open with door other players. Po yeah, like oh, and in order to talk to him, you have called you have to call his agent first. Yeah, like yeah, that's I mean, making not, for my Marshawn. Like, yeah, not even Marshawn Lynch should call him up. But that's yeah. fucking like trash. Th that's yeah. You you can't you can't be like that. You can't, you can't have two. That, that's what what would people call like two phase because you or show douchebag. He's yeah, a sneaky fucker. You, yeah, because you show one phase. You show this religious uh, Russell Wilson, this super nice guy. Uh, now I do love his what he does with the community. That's that, that's a separate entity. Yeah. I do love what he does for the that's community for, for the also, children. Yeah. Uh, Let's keep but it yeah, this is just a two faced person that you can't really trust. Wilson. Right. I, that's why I believe that he actually did want them fired because in Seattle, like 
that whole trade situation, it wasn't really like we nobody saw it like really happening. You know, it's like Russell Wilson. He's he's more than likely gonna stay with the with Seattle. He's probably gonna end his career there. He's already in his thirties. Uh, one last contract with Seattle, maybe. The next thing you know, they hit us with the trade. So it had to come from somewhere. They can, a team can't just you know. Oh yeah, we're gonna trade our superstar quarterback, our our number one uh, player. Yeah, like who does? It's like if the Chiefs traded Patrick Mahomes in his mid thirties. Well, that's why people were asking. Like, well, obviously the Seahawks knew something, and they're willing to trade, trade him. Yeah, exactly. their most important player ever. They were franchise franchise quarterback. Right. Yeah. There that's obviously the, was a reason why they were okay with yeah. that. Yeah. Like. Like, come on now. Yeah. Like, why, do you think the, be, why do you think the Packers keep having problems with Aaron Rodgers? Is it because they're trying to get rid of him? No. They want to keep him. Like, and he's almost 40. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. That, that just shows who the tr- uh, the real person is. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it when they believe they're above everybody else. Yes, you're a good quarterback. You're, you could be a franchise quarterback, but you're not above everybody else. You're just another player just like the other guys. You might have a little more say. In the team, but at the end of the day, you're still a player yep. next to those same guys. Yep. So, uh, behave like it. Don't don't belittle belittle other people. Uh, this whole open door policy. This whole call my agent if you want to, you know, discuss whatever it is. Yada yada yada. <laughs> that's stupid. Hey, that's it's just dumb. So, for that reason, Russell Wilson, Sierra. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, the whole family. Uh, you're going to have to do me a favor and uh, hold this L. L. Trevor Twibble, who's holding the L for you this week? I'm going to give out two W's before I get to my L. Um, oh. All this is basketball-related, NBA-related. Um, I'm going to give a W to my Kings, man. Um, I watched history last night. Um, it was one of the most electric offensive games I've ever seen, man. It was... Uh, just clutch shot and clutch shot from both teams. It was one. It felt like a playoff game. It was incredible. It was an incredible atmosphere in LA last night. Um, and he, and it, it went to two overtimes. I just want to explain the the not even explain, but just kind of give gratitude to the evolution of De'Aaron Fox, who I think is soon here. Um, maybe after this season, will be uh, considered a true star in this league because um, he's still not too many because he's not a, a, a like a. Um, he doesn't have that namesake yet. He's not a household name yet. To me, he is because I watch him on a on damn near a nightly basis, at least keep up with him on a nightly basis. Um, but De'Aaron Fox, man, the dude the dude shot six, on 63% shooting, had 42 points and 12 assists last night, uh, along with Malik Monk off the bench with 45, per, 45 points on 63% shooting and six assists. Uh, and Domas, our, maybe our best overall player, Domas Simonis, went out. And right in the beginning of the the first overtime, this game with the two, double overtime, and we were down ten points in, in, in overtime with about little over two minutes left. We came back and tied it up, forced double overtime. The game obviously came down to the wire. We won by one point. It was one hundred and seventy six to one hundred and seventy five against the Clippers. The Clippers were giving us everything. Kawhi had maybe his best game of the year. Yeah. Against the Kings, and we still overcame it. Russ had fourteen assists in his debut. Still overcame it. Paul George had about I think th- almost thirty points. Still overcame that. So uh, that just shows you the resiliency and the and hell of a job that Coach Mike Brown has done with this team this year. Literally, 
changed the whole culture of his team with the whole light with the beam team, light the beam, which you heard light the beam chants coming out in, in L.A., which was, oh, man, it just gave me chills. It was, it was fun to hear that in L.A., uh, winning that game, the way it went down, the electricity of that game. Everybody having to play a part on both teams. Everybody having to play a part. Everybody did. Uh, rotational guys, everybody. It was just an absolutely incredible, fun, uh, fun game to watch, one of the best games I've ever seen. Uh, 176, 175. So I just want to give kudos to them. They are literally only one game behind the Grizzlies now for the second seed in the, in the West. That's incredible, yeah. man. These guys were hoping to make a chance at the play in uh, last year. Now they're arguably going to be the second seed within a couple of days. So that's it's crazy to me. Um, and I, I'm stoked for this team. I'm stoked on this Kings team. I love them very much. I don't expect a lot in the postseason. This is a step in the right direction uh, for these young guys because De'Aaron Fox is still very much a young guy. Um, so... Kudos to them, man. That was a fun game last night, and they got the dub. Uh, the second W I want to get to is uh, Mac McClung. I don't know if you guys watched that dunking contest. The dunking contest has been an absolute joke for a long time now. Um, Mac McClung, uh, an unsung hero. Uh, <laughs> unclung hero. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, a guy that is not actually in the league. He's been, he's been in and out of uh, uh, G League. A uh, guy that's on technically a part of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, was a highlight reel in high school and college. The guy has just been an absolute freak athlete for his size. He looks like he's 12, year old, 12 years old still. But he absolutely went out there and dominated the dunking contest. Yep. It wasn't even close. I mean, a lot of Troy Murphy it was doing some cool things. But the things he was doing with the 720 dunk and all these things and the, the tap, taking the catch up in the backboard and then reverse dunking it, all these things this guy was doing, it felt like a throwback. And man. every single one of his dunks? Nailed him. Or the first one. Nailed him, He bro. never messed up on a dunk. You can tell this dude's just putting in his time. And like I said, the size difference between him and all the other guys, he's like at least he's four or five foot? inches shorter. He's like six the... foot, six yeah. foot one, yeah. His vertical's wild, man. And, and and like not to bring race into it, but a small white dude yeah. coming out of the G League. Woody Harrelson's like, yeah, white we've man, never seen this. We've jump. never seen this before. Yeah. White was Aaron Gordon. You know what I mean? I'm saying like that. That's like that's the most, seven foot mix that's guy. Like the, that's the lightest complexion seven dude we've seen out there and dominate a, a dunking contest. And even that dunking contest, we had Zach Levine, who was obviously uh, dunk, that, that was a well. that was the last great dunk. That contest. was incredible. Yeah. But Mac McClung out here went absolutely stole the whole show of the weekend. He absolutely stole the whole show of the weekend, bro. Yeah. And it was cool to see all like you know Giannis and all these guys in the sidelines and uh, 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 you know all these other star players in the league, Tatum and all these guys out there just like with their phones out, just freaking out with how he. It's just cool to see him get that yeah. recognition. Cause that yeah, he yeah. tapped the backboard and reversed it, and then the seven twenty that was just unreal, dude. What he was doing that his his size and uh, yeah, it was just a cool story. He's probably never going to be a, a legitimate player in this league. He probably never will because I don't think he's that good of a player overall as far as in and out. He might become a rotational guy that might give him that recognition to give recognition to give him that chance. But I just want to give him his flowers, man. That was fun to watch. He actually made it fun again. Uh, he and absolutely stole the show. So I just wanted to give Mac McClung that uh, that moment there. The guy's awesome. Um, and my L, ironically enough, is going to go to the NBA All-Star game because that might have been the worst part of the entire weekend. It's an absolute joke at this point, guys. Like, it really, really is. Even uh, Coach Malone was the coach and uh, part of this game and the coach for the West. Even he said that was the worst game I've ever been a part of. Like, and it's, that's, I appreciate that honesty. And, I, and even Jalen Brown coming out and talking about how it's an overglorified glorified uh, uh, layup drill. That's all this is. And I agree, man. And this is the lowest viewed, I think the lowest viewed in like 30 years. Yeah. Lowest viewed all-star game. So um, it's, just, it's become an absolute joke. I didn't watch it at all. Watched clips of it. And it's, it's, just, it's just boring. I know the guys are out there having fun. But like as far as a product for the fans to go out and witness and pay a lot of money to go to. Yeah. 
Bro, it's just not fun. Yeah, like it's the, just not the good. The era with like Kobe and Shaq, and although they still tried playing basketball, like <clears throat> they still defended and. Nick, yeah. Nick, Nick broke this down though perfectly as to why that is the case though. Sure, I yeah. It, it, it's the it's the fact that and you're about to pull that down, Eddie. Uh, it's the fact that it's the fact that 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 back then. Players were judged differently. Mm. You weren't like, well, it doesn't matter how good you were. You didn't win a title. Like, now everything's just about the end game. Now everything's about just getting a championship well, in order for they, you to they, become one of the greats. They change it to, like, whoever gets to, what, 135 points or something like that first. 100, 184. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, so that's why they change it. Whoever right. gets there first wins. So the, the, the dynamics have changed. That's why games like this just have lessened in value because yeah. no one pays – the players don't care about it as much because it doesn't – Matter anymore. Well, and I get it too. At the same time, you know, if you get injured in the All Star game, you know, playing hard and playing legit, like competitive basketball, and you get hurt, that's that's a that's an L. Yeah, the money's that's an L in itself. Gone yeah. way up too, for sure. But it, I, I think they need a similar to what the NFL is doing with the, the flag football, which is a cool attempt. It still wasn't great either. Um, it was entertaining, but it still yeah. wasn't great. Like three on three or something. Yes, I don't know, two. man. Something like and they, I missed the big three. Remember that? That was fun. That was a pretty yeah. Ice Cube was, was doing fun. a good. Oh, COVID, COVID kind of put a nail yeah. in that coffin. But they could they could bring it back. Possibly. I loved it. I it was that was fun seeing those old heads out there competing competing. How, how would you how would you fix the All Star game? That's not I'm not paid to think about that. I don't I don't I don't, know. I don't think there really is a way. Yeah, it's but it is cool. Like for fans, it's it's more. It's, it's a culture thing. Yeah, like it's becoming Comic Con like, no, for I, fans. I, I just like, think I just think that the game was great at one time because back then the culture was. You don't have to win rings to be considered the greatest of all time. Because Jordan, not to go on that tangent yeah. here, but after his third championship, they built him a statue outside of uh, what's the, the arena. Ah, uh, oh, shit, I forget the name. American of it. Airlines, whatever yeah. it's called, American Airlines, but uh, the center outside of Chicago that said the best there ever was, the best there ever will be. Yeah, and that was after he won three titles. Mm-hmm. So back then, players were judged differently. It, it, it became the Skip Bayless generation of sports media. That started putting the emphasis on you have to win the X amount of championships to be considered this. So that became everyone's focus. That's why KD went to the Warriors. That's why LeBron went to the Heat. Well, that's, that's why all these the post, all the pressures the on how many moved, championships you can win. Yeah, the goalpost move with, Le, with yeah. LeBron James. Back then, back then, like I said, Michael Jordan won his rings. Kobe won his rings. Carmelo yep. never won his rings. Charles Barkley never won his rings. But those all all those guys were like peers. Yep. They're all compared to each other like that based on what they did. Mm-hmm. That's why. If we can get back to a time like that, which is not going to happen, but if we get back to a time like that, then we can start seeing better All-Star games. It's yeah. just not going to happen, though. It's yeah, culture. So it just wasn't – the product's <clears throat> bad right now. It just and The views are going down. So if the views go down, the money starts going down, the NBA is going to have to wake up and try to do something else. Right. I, I think, I'm pretty sure – I think – you say it won't change. I think they will have to – they're gonna have to figure out something else. No, I'm saying it won't change as currently formatted. Oh yeah, it yeah. can't. Change. The format's got to change though. Yeah, what I'm they'll saying. have to. They'll have to adapt. Yeah, because if you start the dollar signs is everything, man. You, if the product starts going down and people aren't watching, which is this is the, the views are horrible yep. this this year. So maybe it could have been that it was in Utah, which is not like a big, you know a sexy city. I don't know. I don't think the location as far as TV numbers matters really that much, but. Yeah, um, they've got to figure out something. They've got to change. But as far as the product is now and the format that it's in right now is terrible. So for that, NBA NBA All-Star Weekend, for the most part, outside of McClung, do me a solid favor and hold this L. L. I hate hypocrites. Hey, don't fucking talk. I hate, I, I, thieves, thieves and hypocrites are people that I cannot stand, man. Um, Emmanuel Acho is a hypocrite. Uh, this week, I'm not even, I'm not going to give LaShawn McCoy a ton of, Airtime because he's gotten plenty of L's and he's been ratioed plenty of times on Twitter alone. But in case you missed it, LaShawn McCoy came out this week in response 
to Eric Bieniemy's uh, departure from Kansas City to becoming a, an assistant coach slash offensive coordinator for the Commanders. He went on a two-minute tangent on Speak on FS1. Uh, his tweet says, "I wish him well, but Washington won't, won't. But Washington don't let the Chiefs' success or coaching titles fool y'all. The traits or skills you need to be a good con- con- coordinator. I haven't seen or witnessed it. Dot dot dot." So we saw them all, uh, Jamal Charles, Sharkandrick West, a lot, a lot of Chiefs players from former and today calling cap on what LaShawn was trying to say. It really comes down to the fact that EB spanked LaShawn McCoy on his booty. He didn't like it, <laughs> and 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 that to this day is why he has this bitter feud with him. So my, my beef isn't with LaShawn because, like I said, he's been outed as an idiot. I don't need to do it. My, my beef is with uh, Emmanuel Acho because in this video, and you can play it yourself because I'm not going to go through it. In this video, Emmanuel Acho is just eating up what LaShawn is saying and literally says in the, va- the video, well, you, you would know better than anyone because you were there. Two days, three days later, Emmanuel Acho wants to come out with a tweet. Says, "Dear everyone, can we stop? Can we please stop attacking Russell Wilson's character simply because we don't need he he? We know he won't fight back." <laughs> I find that really odd from Emmanuel Acho, who just seventy-two hours before this tweet was sitting here piggybacking. Off of what LaShawn McCoy was saying about Eric Bini, which, by the way, had been refuted and debunked by a number of much more legitimate candidates, much more reputable candidates in this regard. But when a legitimate post comes out from multiple sources, from The Ringer, The Athletic, uh, several ESPN accounts, all are saying the same things about what Russell Wilson was doing, and it was an attack on his character, now Emmanuel Acho wants to sit here and take the high road and say, can we can we stop killing this man's character because he won't fight back? What about Eric Bieniemy? won't fight back? That didn't play into LaShawn's bullshit. You weren't saying that shit back then. So what I did is I took it upon myself. Because you guys know me. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm a very outspoken person. Hence why we're called the Spoken here. I quote tweeted what Emmanuel said. And I said, meanwhile... Acho sat there fanning cut on dimes flames. That's that's uh, LaShawn's uh, mm-hmm. Twitter handle. He fanned his flames when he defamed and tore down EB on national TV earlier this week. Clowns don't even recognize their own hypocrisy. Emmanuel Acho decided to hit me up yesterday and said, took a picture of my verified account uh, portion that says that I'm, a, I'm subscribed to Twitter Blue. He goes, it's always ones calling, their, calling other people's clowns. Have a weekend, my friend. I, I really think that Emmanuel Acho thought that was going to be something that could get me. But what's funny about people that use this verified account stuff when they see that I have Twitter blue, I, I want to give you guys a little bit of a quick lesson on that. So we edit a lot of videos for our show here, right? For Twitter clips, Facebook clips, things of that nature, but in particular on Twitter. Seven months ago, last year, Twitter blue was offered for a, a small price. And I took it immediately because I wanted to edit videos. I wanted to edit tweets because I have fat thumbs. I like to make mistakes a lot of times. And I want to edit tweets. And I want to edit clips for our show. That's why I got Twitter blue. This was months before this whole verified account shit came apart as a part of Twitter blue. That became something Elon Musk introduced after he took over. Mm. Twitter blue was already a thing. And I already had it. We already had it. So it's funny when people want to use that against you, but what's even funnier about it is who gives a shit? 
Yeah, I was going to say. He's attacking the, mes the he, messenger, not the message. Why you're deflecting. Yeah. You're deflecting. And so I, I, I tweeted Emmanuel after he said that as if that was some sort of dig on me. I go, while you deflect from the topic, Twitter blue was something I said, like I said, and thousands of others have had long before the checkmark ever existed. And unlike you, Emmanuel, I take pride in the content I provide on my platform. I don't intentionally make a contradicting ass of myself to paycheck. Because that is exactly what Emmanuel Acho is and has become. Do you know the only reason why he's more more famous than his brother who's on ESPN? It's because his brother's on ESPN. They don't spend the money on people like that to talk like that. He's a sideshow. Emmanuel Acho has paid a substantial amount of money on Fox because they're still trailing ESN in popularity. Nothing wrong with that. They're just the newer company. Emmanuel Acho only has the platform he has is because he says moronic shit like this and tailcoats, coattails, people like LaShawn McCoy who actually had a successful NFL career saying stupid shit like that and wants to say that's okay and that's fair, but when someone defames Eric Bieniemy, you stay silent, but when someone defames Russell Wilson, you want to speak up. You're a hypocrite, dude, and for that, you got to do me a solid Emmanuel Acho and hold this L. And by the way, you can go look at the comments on the thread. He's getting ratioed bro, on that, you stay by the triggering way. all these, like, <laughs> pundits on these sports channels, bro. It's I do what hilarious. I do. I do what I do. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. McIntyre as well. You know, sometimes I see the bat signal has my name on it, and I just go out there and I take care of business. <laughs> yeah, hey, we all have a purpose in we life. We all have a purpose in life. <laughs> Me is to ruffle the feathers of the ones that are making money that I do things the same exact way. <laughs> oh, man. It's been a fun show, fellas, boys and girls. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I want to make a little uh, announcement, though. I talked to Trevor and Eddie about it, and they're both okay with it as well. Due to some unforeseen circumstances that we have, Trevor and I and our family, we have to commit to them, which means that we will not be having a show next week before you start crying. Please don't. I promise you we'll make it up for make it up to you guys because when we come back in two weeks, that will be the time when free agency is really starting to gear up, ramp up, and we'll probably have a lot of news to discuss around the league. We'll probably have some Lamar Jackson updates, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, all kinds of good stuff to chew on and talk about. But prom I promise you guys, the show won't be going on next week for the first time in what seems to be over a year. We always do shows. But because of a family circumstance, Trevor and I, will be we will be taking the show off collectively. But we will still be very active on social media. So hit us up on, you can see on the bottom of the screen, hit us up on Twitter at The Spoken Pod. Hit us up on Facebook as well and on Instagram. We can we will be talking sports all week, every single day. We just will not be having a show next Saturday. But I promise you, two thousand episode two hundred eight will be here in two weeks' time. But I wanted to announce that at the bottom of the show to let you guys know what to be expecting, so you're not freaking out next week when we don't have a live show going. That is what's going on. We will be back though. We promise you guys, and we'll have so much to discuss. But in the meantime, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great Clay Clay Winner that puts all this together on the back end, I am Lance Twidwell of the Spoken Podcast. Episode 208, 207 is done, finished, and finito. And until we're here in two weeks' time, we got a little bye week. Until we're here in two weeks' time talking about 208 and what's going on in the state of the world when it comes to the Chiefs and the NFL around the league, we out of this bitch. See ya. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.